Well, Mike, I'm tired of talking about Marines. Um, <laughs> Chaos yeah. is here. They have some updates in Faith and Fury. So I don't know. Fine. It still says Marine in the name. Chaos Space Marines. <sighs> well, we'll let it go, right? I, I suppose we have to. Yeah. So tonight we've got uh, a few things on docket. So I've got a couple announcements I'm going to talk about real quick about the community. Uh, we are going to be uh, basically not making big changes, uh, but there's just some good things that I think we're going to be bringing here over the next year. Mm-hmm. I also have a contest, painting contest, coming up here uh, before the end of the year. I got some details I'm going to share on how you can enter the painting contest and what we have for a prize or prizes for you. We've got the new chaos bits that are coming out, or the chaos tidbits, I should probably say, in the Faith and Fury Codex that we're going to walk through. And then I also did a little play testing this weekend. So we got a little review of how the TJ Lanigan style Magnus list worked. So I'll dig into kind of how that went. Um, give a shout out to my friend John uh, for his patience with me uh, in the game. And Exciting. Yeah. So let's just jump in real quick to the community news and give you guys an update. So first of all, I want to thank everybody that has been participating in our discord server on Reddit, um, are listening to our podcast. Y'all have done such a great job of helping get it out there. Um, helping us build the community. I think the great thing that I see is just other folks helping other folks. And that's kind of why I got the whole thing together and started in the first place. I know Mike, I have a lot of fun doing this podcast. I don't know about yeah, you. Definitely. Um, but I'm glad that people are enjoying it. So we're going to keep it rolling for a while. One of the things I've been working on in the background. So a little background about myself. I am a software developer. I mostly work as a consultant these days. But one of the things I have the ability to do is actually write some pretty mean code. Uh, so I have been working on a side project that is built around being able to simulate what happens in the game. Uh, so I can simulate statistically a unit of something will kill a unit of something else in shooting in X amounts of turns. Now this is not something groundbreaking. Uh, there are tools out there to let you do that. And for the most part, you can pick out the really serious stuff. But there's nothing out there that'll let you build a list like Battlescribe and then get a statistical output and a statistical defense against quote-unquote meta lists. So if I'm looking at it from a competitive standpoint or even just, hey, I came up with this casual list and I just want to get an idea of where my deficiencies might be if I can't really figure them out or maybe put some truth and some actual numbers to it than just conjecture in my head or thinking it through on, you know, paper, that kind of thing. The idea behind this is to be able to not only give you a battle scribe like list builder, but to also give you statistics on your army and how well it should do in certain situations. Mm -hmm. And then in the future that should grow a little bit. Now, I've got a lot of time invested in this already, um, at least four or five weekends so far, just building the simulator up, getting it working. You guys have probably in Discord seen some results from it. 
the idea I'm going with here is this is probably going to be something that in the early stages is limited access so that we can beta test it, we can build it up, and then open it up for other people to be able to use. The concept we're going for here is there are some things I think we can do to help support some of the things that we're doing right now. So for instance, the cost of hosting servers, the cost of disc, some of the stuff in Discord, the cost of all of the different services that I use to produce the podcast, all of that's coming out of my own pocket right now. And that's just for the betterment of being able to build this up and get folks interested in it and listening to it. Uh, there's no need to really, I mean, there's nothing to really charge for there from a content or, you know, like I don't see any value in saying, hey guys, to listen to this is five bucks a month or something like that. But there are a few things I think we can do to try and um, help the folks that are really hungry for good content, want to get really good interaction without just being overwhelmed with the ability to serve everybody. Um, and so what we're, what I'm looking at doing is a Patreon system where there'll be a um, small fee, like I'm thinking five a month or something like that, where you get kind of like a premium membership. And this is something you see on a lot of other sites, uh, but I want to keep it very easy for you guys to be able to, you know, can think about that being an easy decision to make, not a, uh, on some of the other sites, it might be like 30 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month or something like that. Um, I think this is something that should be accessible to everybody. Uh, so I'm trying to keep it cheap. Uh, but the idea would be you get a premium membership and you get access to things like, you know, the premium list builder statistics. Um, you get access to, you know, a, a private room with, a bunch of the other folks that are uh, membership subscribers, those kind of things, people who are really active in the community. Uh, and then you also get um, uh, some premium perks like early access to the podcast. So you might get that maybe three or four days before it drops to the public, things like that. So just some, just some things for the folks who are really, really interested in this stuff to give them that we'll still keep the podcast free. We'll still keep access to the site and everything free. We're not going to like start charging people for it or anything, but just well, kind of giving it a, does, uh, mean that uh, we can potentially do other things like the painting contest in the future. Um, Cause extra money means that we don't necessarily have to stretch our own pockets to, uh, have fun content and uh, interesting events. That is absolutely right. I'm glad you mentioned that. So the only thing holding us back from doing this right now is since we're based in the States, they, I can't give legally with taxes and sales tax. I can't give away a service for a fee in certain States without collecting sales tax. And unfortunately in the last year, two years or so, they've made some, pretty big changes to what's called nexus. So without getting too deep into it, basically I have to be able, it used to be that I would only have to collect sales tax if I made a sale in the state that I lived in. There's no national sales tax for you folks outside of the states. But what they did decided to do is make it so each state can essentially decide how much sales tax they're going to collect and you no longer it's no longer legal for you to sell something to somebody in say Washington state or California and live in Texas and not collect sales tax. Like they will cut like California and Washington will come after you for that kind of thing. Um, so without getting us into trouble, I'm waiting for 
uh, upgrades to be made to Patreon before I can actually make this a, like an actual subscription-based service. And I also want to wait until the things we want to have at a minimum are in place before we turn this on. So for now, what you guys are probably been worried, uh, wondering about, and I'll give you guys a little peek into this right now. Um, we have a bunch of different roles. Uh, so I'll explain what the Sekhmet Conclave is in our Discord server. Uh, this also exists on Reddit. Uh, there are a bunch of people who are tagged up on, on Reddit with this. Um, these are the folks that are helping us kind of start to beta test this program. So they're going to be giving us feedback on the software. They're going to be giving us feedback on, um, you know, the podcast releases early. Um, just basically folks that are already kind of going through this program and helping us get, hopefully get the content to a point where they feel like, you know what, this is at a good state where, you know, opening this up and having people subscribe to this and get into the program. Um, will be worth it. So if you yeah. see the folks in there, those are just kind of folks that I've seen and I've picked out. I'm sorry if I haven't picked you. There's no, that's not ill will or anything on my part. It's just, there's some folks that I've um, had picked out for various reasons and are now helping us participate. And that's probably going to change over time. Like there might be some folks that join the program uh, in addition or, and are added in to help us test. So, yeah. So with that, talking about the painting contest. So we will officially be doing a painting contest for the Thousand Suns community here this basically holiday season. What you're going to be doing is painting, if you're participating, you're going to be painting a single Thousand Suns model. And that model, uh, you basically take a picture of it and share it uh, before you start painting it. And then you take a picture after you have finished painting it. So you've got some time here to get your models assembled and get them ready to go. And you're going and to have one month to do so the painting. Up. A question, David, does it have to be a thousand suns model? Well, what it, does. The it does. So the rule is it must be a thousand suns model. Now, if you decide, Hey, I want to do a forge world thousand suns variant, like a 30 K thousand suns model that counts. But if you were to say, okay, I want to paint a, um, uh, let's just make this real easy here. If you go into Battle Scribe and you bring up a Thousand Suns army, anything that you can add in a Thousand Suns detachment, just 100% Thousand Suns counts as a model that you could paint for the, for the army or for the competition. So it can be anything you want just within that, within that bounds. Um, but we've got some prizes, right? We got a yes. couple, couple things. So, Mike, you're throwing something in. I'm throwing something in. How about we start with what you've got? The painter who pleases me best with their entry will earn themselves a fine cast Thousand Suns upgrade sprue. This thing is currently out of print. Uh, that will allow you to upgrade eight models to be OG Thousand Sons with all of their fancy shoulder pads, heads, bolters, and arms. That is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So you can definitely kit bash that with some existing yes. stuff. And... I know from experience, this sucker is compatible with uh, pretty much any Chaos Space Marine, Space Marine model or the new Thousand Sons models if you want to get frisky. Very cool. Now that's not it. We also have a limited edition uh, Nighthaunt Garcor Bladegeist Revenant. So 
if you remember, I think it was two years ago or last year sometime, GW had a big celebration for opening their 500th store. And at that time, they released a couple special models that you had to be at a GW store to pick up. And this was one of them. Now, the cool thing about this is I found this just sitting in my bin of shame of stuff I had not assembled and it's not painted. Um, it's not an easy model to get. You, you could probably go to eBay and find them, but it's not going to be the most, I think, prevalent thing that you can find all over the place. So it's worth something. It's shrink wrapped. It's new in the box, brand new. Um, and you could probably have this count as maybe a uh, change caster or like a um, stand in flux master. Maybe you could do some stuff kit bashing with it. So it, it has kind of that same, um, like the Morgasts kind of feel to it where it's got, it's got kind of that vibe where it could fit into like a Zinch army as like a demon or something like that. So you could do some stuff with it. Yes. All right. So final details here. Uh, November 25th, Monday, November 25th, and we'll just call it, we'll be, you know what, let's throw out to our UK listeners, you guys are going to be the first time-wise that have access to this, so GMT, November 25th, that is the starting date for the painting competition, so you will simply need to, um, I will post more material online, some more details about it. Uh, I'll, I'll post that probably on the Tiscan library, which is my blog site. Uh, I will have a post up that gives you all the information. And in addition to that, uh, we'll probably have a couple things like you just have to hop over and subscribe to the podcast, uh, upload your picture and then upload your, your final picture and that completes your entry. Uh, I've got a site that I'm going to try to use for this. And if it goes well, I think what we can do in the future is probably open this up to bigger prizes or multiple prizes. So maybe first place, second place, third place kind of thing. Or even different categories. Exciting. Even different categories indeed. So we'll see where this goes. This will be our first run Christmas day. We will announce the winner of it. So it'll be like a, a gift of Christmas for everybody. Or you mean Zinchmas, of course. Or Zinchmas, yes. 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 Of course. <laughs> so with that, let's <laughs> jump into how this game went this weekend. Describe this list for me. I'm not familiar with the term you're using to describe it. Yeah, I figured. Not all of our listeners are as well. <laughs> I figured you would ask. So this was a list. I'm going to give a shout out to Troll Crosby on Discord, and he's part of our uh, our testers here. Uh, he kind of helped, he and I shot back a couple list ideas, but I went with the one that he shot back as kind of like a tweaked version or like his version of what we were both thinking. And the idea was to figure out how to put Magnus on the table. So here's how I did it. It was Magnus. I had two battalions in addition to that. So Magnus is often a super auxiliary. So I had Aramon and a Demon Prince with wings. The Demon Prince was my Warlord, and I gave him the plus one to cast. Then I had, in the second battalion, I had two Terminator Sorcerers with Familiars. All right, so those are my, that fills out my characters for the two detachments. Then in the one battalion, I had a big Zangor Blob with a Brayhorn in there. So I, it was a 25-man Zangor Blob. The rest 
were rubric marines for all the troop choices and I didn't do anything special. They were just rubric marines with bolters and a pistol, just the bare bones rubric squad. And then the final two things that I added were two hell drakes with bale flamers. So the idea here was that the hell drakes put a lot of pressure up front and to try and take off some of the pressure off of shooting at Magnus. In addition, the way we wanted to run Magnus was more as a slingshot approach. And I had heard from other folks already that they had had really good success just playing him like how TJ was playing them. What was great was the matchup was up against a friend of mine, uh, John. So shout out to John. And he was running orcs with mech guns, ludas, and a bunch of boys in there. And he also had things like some run herders, a war boss, some, um, some weird boys as well. Now, to be fair to John, uh, he's kind of a uh, competitive player in limbo right now, kind of waiting to see when and if he wants to get back into the game or not. Um, so it's, he's not, to be fair to him, he's not actively playing super competitive, but he's running a pretty dang good list. All right. And what I loved about it was he had all the, and he had the soup, souped up shock attack gun in there, the mech guns. These are, these are things that right now, when you look at orc lists, this is what you see. So it felt like a good test here. Now, what I did was I lost the role for the, we played a ITC mission and I lost the role uh, to choose my zone, which meant I was going to go first. And I deployed Magnus with the Helldrakes in the center, deployed up to the front of my deployment board and it was hammer and anvil. And I basically uh, set it up so that what I could do was advance Magnus back outside of the mech gun range. Mm -hmm. uh, so it basically became a very measurement movement measurement intensive. So I just put a die down where the mech guns were. And then I just figured, okay, if I advance Magnus uh, and let's figure I get at least a two up on my dice roll, then that means I'm going to get to, you know, this point and I'll be out of range. So therefore I can't go further than X and what that did was really Magnus was just nuking uh, boys for like the first couple turns. Um, he was getting uh, gateway and a smite off for the most part. And then I think I had Doombolt on there as well, just to, just, just to try and target. I could, I could target some characters uh, if they came in range or I could uh, try to slow stuff down. So I had a little bit more effect. So Essentially, I was nuking as best I could with Gateway and Smite, and the Helldrakes basically turn one, uh, pretty much focus fired one of the boy squads. So between all the all the stuff I could get into range, I was actually able to finish off one of the squads of boys in the first round of shooting, uh, and then assault the the Helldrake actually wiped out was able to charge and wipe out the remain remaining boys that were there uh, on his next turn so obviously i warp timed magnus back and mm -hmm. all of the buffs that were going on magnus were coming from aramon and the demon prince so all they were doing was staying in range of of magnus and buffing him while at the same time i had some rubric marines standing inside a building preventing him from being able to target the demon prince and aramon so i like the i like the setup when an army can come and drop in and deep strike or jump I like the setup where I can put the characters on the second level. Yeah. 
and then I can put the 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 blockers on the bottom level closer to them, but out of line of sight. So therefore, my stuff can work. It can it can shoot stuff, and it's very hard to excuse me. It's very hard to charge and get to where you have to go through at least something to get up to them. Yeah, that's a tactic you used rather judiciously whenever you were playing your Riven Guard, as I recall. Yep, that is exactly right. So obviously Magnus came in, nuked, warped time back and advanced. And I wouldn't say that that caught John off guard, but what I would say is that uh, he realized what kind of game it was going to be at that point where this was going to be a ranged battle. And now he was going to have very little to shoot at with his mech guns and everything. So what he was worried about very, um, I guess rightfully so were the Zangors because they were in reserve. I kept the Zangors. I kept one Terminator Sorcerer and I kept one squad of Rubric Marines in reserve as well. Cause I decided to use engineers and I had one squad sitting in the back, just holding an objective. And they were also screening out, you know, conveniently screening out his ability to jump in between them and my guys kind of in the middle in the building. Yeah. And so by doing that, they could just sit there and collect engineer points and since he never really went after those and that makes sense because the rest of my army was much, a much bigger threat. If he actually did end up going for them, I had a backup plan with the other engineers in reserve and that would prevent, prevent him from being able to cancel out my engineer points um, very easily. Like he couldn't just target both in one round and somehow get rid of them. So that was my thinking there. So his turn two, he, he, or his turn one, he downs, I think, both Heldrakes between the Ludas, the Mech Guns, the Shock Attack Gun. Shock Attack Gun, I think, actually went after Magnus. Yeah. Uh, even though he was fully buffed, it, it did do quite a bit of damage to him. I think it took him down, I think, six, six or seven wounds, something like that. But the mm-hmm. next turn, I healed him, and Magnus just came right back, flying right back up, same range. Now, what was neat was the fact that I didn't have to go as far anymore because the mech guns were staying pretty much where they were for the first couple turns, but the boys were moving up a little bit. And he was, again, just trying to more or less screen out. So turn two, again, was just blasting uh, blasting boys. Now, what worked out really well, um, and this is kind of like where Rust starts to show up, is my Infernal Gateway was able to snag, um, I think, a weird boy turn two because he got too close to the to the nearest, like, but the way he pulled the models from the smite and the way I was able to target the nearest model with the, um, uh, what do you call it? With the infernal gateway, it popped Mm -hmm. onto the weird boy and that took the weird boy out. And then I was able to move back again and, um, he might've, he might've been able to shoot at Magnus with the mech guns on turn two a little bit. I, I can't remember, but, um, he, he kept, I think it basically played out the same way that TJ explained how it had played out in their games where players would take a couple shots at them at Magnus and then realize, well, it's not going to do as enough to kill him, and I'm going to keep healing him and keep him, yeah. you know, active. And so he started to focus on the other stuff. Now what I had to do is I had to try and move my rubric Marines up the board a little bit to um, essentially there was an objective in the center and one back in my zone and one in his zone. So I had to basically try and get Rubric Marines out in the open to hold the middle objective so that I could hold more uh, because I was almost certain he was going to kill more just in the early couple of rounds. And 
weathering that storm once the Zangors came in um, between the smites and the gateways and just a little bit of shooting. Uh, the Zangors came in and I was able to just set up a big line of them and charge both of his boys. Uh, he had two 30 man boy squads charge them and essentially cycle of slaughtered, uh, to kill both boy squads. Um, so between the smites and everything else, and then the, the cycle of slaughter, 90 boys in two turns were dead. They were just gone completely. Um, and at that point, that was a big relief because now he didn't have much that could jump to get my rubric marines, which were going to continue to score engineers. And that's okay because I think he had engineers as well, and we were both going to tie on that one way or another. So it really came down to the Kingslayer on Magnus, where he he probably I think he got up to two or three points, um, which is pretty easy because you can you can do the damage, and as I'm healing, you keep scoring. Uh, and I yeah. think the last one, uh, if I remember right, was Mark for Death on the Rubric Marines. And that's where it really kind of, um, I think that's where from the secondary standpoint, I had scored Reaper. Uh, each, um, once Magnus came up, I think turn three, he could he could come up and then get in his face um, and then start like laying out gateways and smites and stuff onto the mech guns because for the most part, they're exposed. Uh, and each one of those you're killing is a gangbuster point. So... Mm. At that point, I'm I'm just basically just racking up points on that thing, uh, and I've already for at least a turn or so I've held more than him, uh, and that's where the writing was on the roll at that point. And I think it was turn four or five we were able to just figure out that you know what was going to happen. I wasn't going to completely kill his army, but I was going to get to a point where I will have killed and held more uh, for more turns because the rest of my army was basically untargetable in, in the buildings. They were out of line of sight and he had no indirect fire. So, yeah. Um, key, key things there were just that it becomes a very intense uh, movement becomes very, very important. Uh, you have to measure where you want, like if you want to be out of range of certain things, you have to measure, uh, how far you think he's going to move. And my rule of thumb I used was that, figure you'll roll a two up on the advance roll. So you'll get at least two inches added to your movement for the advance. And so use that as your minimum for moving because the worst case is if you roll a one and it's a problem, just command point it and you know, you should be able to roll a two up. Mm -hmm. So that was uh, just a little bit of a battle report on that, but now I think we can get to some of the really good stuff, Mike. Yeah, they've got these uh, Psychic Awakening Tube coming out this weekend. Chaos cookies for everybody. I know, right? Faith and Fury. It's Faith and Fury, indeed. Faithful weekend. So, um, looking fairly interesting, um, several um, sites, including Goonhammer, have... Yeah. Um, done us the liberty of compiling all of the uh, rules and the uh, rules previews into one place uh, saves me having to open up a bunch of uh, tabs with uh, poorly sized screenshots to uh, figure out what's going on. But um, effectively the, um, <clears throat> there is a whole bunch of stuff here, uh, which is exciting because it, Anything, 
something that helps chaos as a whole, like if, if a trickle chaos faction helps chaos as a whole. Um, so a couple things, uh, army wide rules that, uh, that all the new stuff shares, uh, Bolter Discipline has been renamed Malicious Volleys for Chaos. I don't really understand the um, change, I, 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 but whatever. It's the, it's the same rule as ever. It's just uh, if you're uh, stationary uh, and shoot a bolt weapon, a rapid-fire bolt weapon, it fires twice at full range. Or if you're a Terminator bike or Hellbrute, it fires twice. No. The Hilbert thing is interesting. I thought that still applied to vehicles, unless they've... Uh... I think they threw the Hellbrute in as a way to give them that, like, Hellbrutes get it, but vehicles don't. But I think mm-hmm. they took it away from vehicles in a FAQ or an update yeah. um, earlier this year. Fair enough. Uh, hateful Assault, still a thing. Plus one attack yeah. whenever you charge, are charged, or perform a heroic intervention. Uh, definitely goes a long ways towards making Space Marines actually feel like they're somewhat decent in close combat. And then they finally brought back my favorite chaos thing, demon weapons. So effectively, a demon weapon is you have a weapon, and then you cram it full of demon. And you bind them in there real good and tight, and he supercharges the weapon, making it like a even more powerful relic than a normal relic. The downside is, yep, demons don't like being shoved inside weapons. I imagine it's a very tight fit. They've got unlimited cosmic power and now a 80-bit living space. And so uh, whenever you use the weapon, you roll a a D6 on a roll of a one. The demon weapon fights the wielder and inflicts a mortal wound. Otherwise, on a two plus, good things happen. Very good things happen. Yes, um, and so they've released, I want to say, five demon weapons um, with this, effectively one for each of the Chaos Gods and one that's sort of Chaos Undivided, which is uh, nice. Yeah, we should probably just jump to the one that we probably are most interested in, and that's the yes. Zinch one. Mm-hmm. Which, there are a lot of consonants and apostrophes, so you'll have to Forgive me if I mispronounce this. Uh, Kadak. Kadak, the Boundless. Replaces a power sword, a Hellforge sword, or a Force sword on a Zinch model. I love that they did that. Because now you can do it on a Demon Prince. You can do it on your your Sorcerers. uh, mm -hmm. You do do it on any of your uh, your, uh, Exalted Champion or the um, Chaos Lord. There's a ton of options uh, for this, um, but uh, it's strength user, AP minus yep. three, damage D3. So, so four, um, four sword profile. Yeah, it's, a four, it's a four sword. However, it has a party trick to quote <laughs> our uh, source. When resolving an attack made by this weapon, invulnerable saves cannot be made. Ooh. She is uh, pretty nasty on a, like a demon prince or um, eh, not really, I guess a demon prince would be kind of wasted. But yeah. um, actually, no, you Lord know, really be a good choice here. Well, I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be all that bad on a demon prince, because if you think about it, just the sheer number of attacks that he gets and the fact yeah. that you can soup him up with, you know, diabolic strength, which pretty much any model can get. Um, I'd, I'd be wait. I'd wager to bet that he's probably the, the model with the most attacks that you can get. Yes. 
The one thing I don't actually like about this one is that they don't have a like demon weapon mechanic like the um uh the corn one for instance adds the dice to the uh, str- model strength. Mm-hmm. I bet um, pretty solid. Uh, I mean figuring the fact that these are um these are these are um Ex- extrapolations from the book itself. Uh, yeah. There could be bits of text that are missing from these as we're reading through them. Uh, Cause obviously at the recording of this, the book is not out yet. So we don't, we aren't lucky enough to get our hands on that yet, but GW, we will accept that if you want to send them to us. Yes, please, uh, please do. Please. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to bet there is probably something buried in there. That's just kind of glossed over. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a mortal wound or something. Yeah. But um, just to sort of the the rest of them, Celeste gets power, uh, lightning claws or malefic talons. Um, see, they get a they reroll at the result of a weapon roll to their attacks characteristics, so they get a right. buttload of attacks. Yep. Uh, yep. Now that could be really good with someone who takes the flame of spite warlord mm-hmm. warlord trait. So you're doing mortal wounds on there, yeah. and then um, yeah, Empress children do not like the Imperium. No, they do not. Um, Zal the Wrathful, we already know about mm-hmm. the um, effectively, it's a super power sword. Uh, you it's add good. your demonic weapon uh, roll to the strength of the user, it's yep. AP minus five, which means you don't get armor shapes. Um, yep, and uh, two damage, pretty good. Uh, Nurgle gets a power fist, which is exciting, um, except it's still minus one to hit. Um, Always wounds on a two plus. Yep. Does not matter. Does like toughness ten. Who cares? Splat. Yep. And then the um, black axe Ulo Sika. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Bravo. That, that's how I'm assuming. I've been do- doing lots of apostrophes and names. I want to. I want to know where the name generator is for these kinds of names. Um, they actually used to have one. Um, I don't remember where it is, though. Uh, anyways, uh, replaces a power, force, or demonic axe. Uh, strength user, AP dash, damage one. Might sound kind of weird. However, it causes a mortal wound in addition to your other damage on a modified roll of four plus to wound. So effectively, if you have a guy with a ton of attacks and you just want to throw out some mortal wounds, this is yeah. the thing to take. You could stack that on top of Flames of Spite as well. Mm -hmm. And there you go. You're doing two mortal wounds. Plus, unlike most other um, mortal wound mechanics, this doesn't actually stop the damage roll. And so depending on what your... At least based off the wording they have here. So you could potentially deal a ton of damage uh, with this thing. Now there's another there's another relic coming up, Gorefather. And I I did a quick comparison, actually, because someone was... um, Someone was looking at the potential output of Gorefather and its mortal wounds and everything. And I think collectively out of this whole thing, the most effective guy is still the Black Legion Chain Lord who throws out multitudes of mortal wounds. But what we just hinted on in the fact that this doesn't stop the attack sequence, like you you still get your damage, your regular weapon mm-hmm. damage. Um, that's what makes the Chain Lord so potent because He's he's AP two two damage on his uh, on his chain, his special chain sword, 
in addition to all of those mortal wounds that go off. So, you know, you're two damage for each, you know, AP two is enough to push most saves into a, you know, possible failure zone. So he's still a very, very, very good dude. Anyways, time to get to some legions. Oh yeah. This is the, um, the fun part of this book because there's a bunch of them. So word bears, the uh, laughing stock of the uh, K- old chaos codex. And I got um, bad news. They're still are, laughing stock. Uh, well, they, they get some stuff. So they get some warlord traits. Um, force of Lorgar adds three inches to the range of warlord traits uh, of aura abilities, which is all right. Unfortunately, the uh, Chaos Beast Spring Codex doesn't have the same sort of breadth of Warlord abilities that um, yeah. Marines it's like does. this is the it's kind of thing wasted. that belongs. It belongs in the Space Marine book. It's yep. kind of like yeah, you can extend your aura. Well, great. I don't have any good auras to really extend. Yep. Uh, Demont Exalted Possession is actually pretty solid. He, the Warlord yeah. gains the Possessed and Demon keywords um, if they don't already have them and gain plus one to Strength, Attacks, and Movement. Uh, it's actually very potent um, because there are, one, certain abilities that buff uh, based off of the Possessed and Demon keywords Yeah, uh, to allow you to stack your bonuses. But you can throw this on a Demon Prince. Um, and just natively get yeah. extra bonuses, get Chaos Lord. Really, just, even the Dark Apostle, uh, this is a fantastic Exalted Champion. Yeah. Um, Demonic Whispers uh, gives you extra CP, which is never a bad thing. And once per battle, your Warlord can reroll a single hit, wound damage, or save roll. The extra CP is kind of nice, but it's sort of underwhelming. Actually, this is actually one of those things that if you're playing Word Bears, you should spend one CP to give an extra character Demonic Whispers to try to get an extra two CP. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't take this as a as my like normal Warlord trait. All right. Uh, well, that's a good question, though, Mike. Have yep. they added the ability for them to do that yet? I mean, I... Don't know if they've added it yet. However, I assume that at some point they'll get it. Um, yeah. The only reason why I bring up the uh, extra warlord trait thing is that that's one of the things that uh, what I called uh, Gene Stiller Colt. Um, all of every Gene Stiller Colt player I've ever played against has done that with their equivalent mm-hmm. version of this. Mm-hmm. I think they started rolling them out about that time, anyways. Yeah, and that's kind of we're waiting for that rule to get. Mm-hmm. Put over to us. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. All right. Master of the Union. Uh, friendly Word Bearers Demon Units get uh, within six inches get plus one attack. Uh, again, that's a sol- very solid ability uh, for Word Bearers. They tend to fluff wise bring lots of possessed demon engines, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so this is a force multiplier. Throw this on a Dark Apostle. He's already going to give them bonuses from his uh, prayers and uh, generally have a good time. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> probably good on a master of possession. Yeah. Because he he's going to probably boost the stuff like demon engines and possessed. Mm-hmm. So I would I would probably see that on that guy. Yeah. All right. Diabolist. When this warlord will lose a wound, uh, roll d six on the six plus. He doesn't lose it. He lose it. However, add three to the roll if the wound is from a mortal wound. Uh, this is effectively the same as the uh, well actually it's very similar to the ghost helm that uh, 
Eldar Varsiers have. Um, as a Warlords rate, it's sort of... I actually am not a, a huge fan. However, it's um, still pretty good, um, all things yeah. considered, depending on what you're up against. And then the last Warlord trait is Sacrilegious Regeneration. The Warlord gains one wound at the start of the turn, regains a D3 lost wounds. This is amazing, actually, on the right Warlord. I'm on a Demon Prince. Oh, yeah. Like a Terminator Lord. Um, you're going to be around for days. Or actually, yeah. you can put on Lord Discordant yep. if you're uh, really feeling frisky. Yep. Um, though, I yep. actually, doesn't he already have the ability to heal himself? Uh, he does. So you're healing up to 2d3 on your yeah. Disco Lord each. Although each only and actually, wait, no. Bring that up is that um, I know I don't know if he, his wording says he can only be healed once per turn. However, I know the Iron Hands just got slapped down for doing that. And so most yeah. likely they would, if people started doing that, they would FAQ it to prevent you from stacking this type of ability. Well, I know that Admac can do that kind of thing. And they mm-hmm. haven't, Admac hasn't been hit by that. And that fits them. On a Lord Discordant to throw that on there, I, I could see that making sense. So it'd be one plus D3 is I think what you would get. I don't think he has, I don't think the Lord Discordant has the ability to heal himself. Mm-hmm. I don't, even though he's a he's a Warpsmith, if I remember right, looking at the, the profile there, I could just be, I could be being an idiot right now, but I, I think they, he doesn't have the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, relics. They have six of them. Uh, that's going to be a pretty recurring number. Six uh, warlord yeah. traits, relics. Um, I think they have more stratagems than that. But um, effectively, they have a, a, actually a fairly nice collection of relics. So you, even if their warlord traits were sort of eh, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, Crown of the Blasphemer. Um, <laughs> the model adds one to its invuln save to a maximum of three plus. Um, which that by itself is actually very solid because um, Chaos doesn't really get three up invuln saves. Yeah. Well, now you can have a four up Demon so, Prince, right? Yeah. Um, in addition, enemy units uh, within six inches get minus one leadership. The leadership is kind of iffy, but again, just a relic plus one to invuln saves is appreciated. Yeah. Um, Lord Discordant. I mean, that's another good one. A four up, four up invuln on a Lord Discordant. That's. Yeah. That's pretty mean. Yeah. Uh, Baleful Icon, sort of interesting. Units that charge friendly word bearer units within six inches of this model subtract two from their result. Um, it's actually something interesting you can do here is looking at it. You take the voice of Lorgar to add three inches to that range. And now effectively everyone within nine inches of your Baleful Icon guy is effectively it's a repulsor. Two to charge. That's really freaking good, actually. Yeah. Really, really good. So I take back my disparagement of the voice of Florida. I am with you on that one. Book of the Reviler. It's a bad book full of bad things. Uh, Non-demons only. Before the battle starts, you can activate it to generate two free chaos boons. Rerolling spawn them, demonhood, and duplicates. Uh, This is actually, I I like this. Um, It brings back some of the... um, you used to be able to buy a boon and mutation um, yeah. like as a free game. Like I get free stuff. It's um, I like that. It's two free boons and you yeah. can actually, so you can get some good boons in there. Actually. I think they have one where you increase your damage. Um, it's not as good as the thousand suns boon table. If I recall correctly, there's some better stuff I think there, but uh, 
that's that's pretty good to just boost your dude with some good stats. Mm-hmm. Um, the Malefic Tome is back. Um, you uh, get an extra psychic power, and yep. you get plus one to psychic tests. Sort of uh, bring it brings the second most potent chaos psychic army uh sort of a little closer to being able to operate on a similar tier with thousand suns at least on one guy and it really yeah. is just a fan plus one to psychic test is fantastic uh, yeah again with these guys i probably see that on a master of possession for sure uh yeah. you know definitely fits his mo yep uh, the Ashen Axe is actually fantastic. It replaces a Chain Axe, of all things, uh, which is a, a, a very cheap weapon. Um, get plus one strength, AP minus two, damage D3, and um, prevents non-vehicle, non-Titanic units from falling back unless they have a minimum movement statistic. Uh, it's really anything that prevents infantry units from running away is yeah. just awesome. Yeah, you, you go right into like a unit with a demon prince. Um, let's say you go into a big unit of boys, and yeah, well, demon you, know, prince you wipe out almost because it's the chain axe. You'd only be able to take oh, a that's a good lord point. or a um, exalted champion. Gotcha. Yeah. Does the uh, does the warp smith have a chain axe or does he have a power axe? I think he has a power axe. Okay. I was yeah. going to say because he has a he actually has a legitimate amount of attacks with yes. all the stuff he has and mm-hmm. replacing that on there would be really good. Yeah. Um, and then the epistle of Lorgar. So dark apostles only, at least currently uh, you can chant when you chant a prayer, you can reroll the dice to determine whether it goes off. Um, in addition, uh, friendly word bears units within six inches get plus one leadership. Uh, it's actually very potent. Uh, it's mostly because, Word bearers tend to run a decent number of dark apostles. And so with the addition of having some disciples for the plus one, that gives you a two plus three rollable mm-hmm. test to give you a, um, to get your powers off. And then there's another thing you can take uh, later to get to cast two powers uh, per turn. Right. So it becomes very reliable and a very powerful support character. Yeah, so far there's a lot of utility here. There's nothing that stands out to me from Word Bearers that is um, like I don't yeah. see a lot to build around, but I see something that I can use as a ut- like part of like a a Swiss Army knife a yeah. chaos list, right? Like they could yeah. they could play a role, which is better than where they were. Yeah, I mean we haven't gotten to the stratagems yet, but um, really what I'm seeing so Word Bearers have traditionally been sort of the jack of all trades master of none of the chaos legions they tend to bring like <laughs> fluff wise lots of like 20 man blocks of chaos space marines with bolters yeah. and uh like possessed and stuff like that and I, I think that what they're sort of doing here is they're giving things that are sort of generally useful um without sort of swinging too hard one way or the other because they're like the true chaos undivided legion yeah uh, Whereas the um, other legions in this book, except for Alpha Legion and Iron Warriors, are very, very specialized. Well, where they didn't touch the the legion traits is kind of where they fall. I think this whole book kind of falls falls short. Yeah. Though I think again, like we were, we discussed um, in a previous episode, they are sort of. I, I consider this to be sort of more of a play test 
and sort of getting the rules they sort of have already approved out there while they work on a more permanent release. And okay. I, I, th- I think um, they'll eventually get around to addressing Warlord, the um, Legion traits and the rest of the stuff that a full codex release would provide. Uh, much like the uh, Eldar got their sort of a, a couple of things to sort of tie them over until they get a new release. Yeah. So, um, well, we should probably get into these stratagems real quick here. Yes. Um, obviously, they keep their, their existing one dark pack from the Codex, which lets them <laughs> uh, summon with, they can reroll the summon dice and they don't suffer mortal wounds. I think that's, um, uh, that's fantastic uh, because this is, a, this is an army that likes to summon. So if you want to use the summoning mechanic, this is an army that you really want to go with or think about for that. Yeah. It is a very able to do that. fluffy stratagem it, for them as well. Yeah. Now you're going to be summoning one way or another. So you're going to have to, you're, I think the hard part here is you're going to want to pick a unit that doesn't really have to move because obviously that that's your stipulation on summoning. Um, and I think this is kind of where um, a master possession really can use this and make use of this because he can do it with a psychic power that lets him summon. Mm-hmm. Um well, actually, never mind. Reading, yeah. reading this, this Precisely is in the movement the phase. phase. Yeah, never mind. So scratch that. Can't do that, which is really a bummer because this thing, I guess it's really just picking one dude and you're going to try and summon and you get to Yeah, effectively, this lets you um, do a like three dice roll without having to worry about killing yourself is the, right. the idea here. Right. Um, the next strategy the hard part is to do that to do that big roll. I mean, you might be going for that big Lord of Change, or a, mm-hmm. you know, you're better off using the forty six roll. But uh, you're going to need the re rolls to at least have a chance at it. Yeah. So the next stratagem is actually really good. So uh, Malevolent Covenant, um, one CP, uh, using the psychic phase after a word bearer psychic fails a test. Um, if you use a stratagem, the power automatically manifests at the minimum required warp charge value and without a double having been rolled. And it cannot be denied. Um, after the power resolves, the caster takes one mortal wound. This is a, frankly amazing. Um, I agree. The fact that one mortal wound when you have the ability to heal your characters or give them feel no pain um, off of their warlord traits is a massive buff. And, and really, it's when you fail a test. That's what's so great about it. Because you can basically just say, okay, I have to get this like death hex off. Oh, I failed. Uh, for one CP, I just automatically pass and you yeah. can't do anything about it. And um, well, something that Goonhammer commented on, I'm sure it'll get addressed by Games Workshop if this actually works. But strictly speaking, if you have cast Smite enough times so that the minimum casting value to get it off would be an 11... If you use this, it automatically becomes a big spike. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I'm using that is so a true. bit of uh, synergy there. That right. is awesome. <clears throat> so uh, this is the a strategy I alluded to before. I'm actually very excited about this. The Apostle of the Dark Council. It's one CP. Yeah. Use it before the battle begins uh, and only once. Uh, upgrade a Dark Apostle to have the Dark Council ability. This lets them know and chant an extra prayer each battle round, um, which again, when combined with the um, Epistle of Logar, is very potent. And I think this is going to be one of their, the core things you'll be seeing out of this uh, Legion if people take uh, word bears. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's really good. Uh, another one is uh, Curse to Spoilers for 2CP. Uh, basically, you just pick a terrain feature that's not a fortification, and anything from the enemy that's in that terrain feature doesn't get cover, which is really good right now in the meta because you have a lot of like Raven Guard, Eliminators, um, stuff that have like effective one-up saves that when they're going to use cover, they're going to get that bonus. So you can pretty much just say, yeah, yeah, all you guys in that building there, that castle you got, yeah, no more cover. It's just gone. Uh, so now your, your Marie, your eliminators are starting at just a base three up save. Um, so you're hitting them with like, I don't know, anything that has some AP on them and mm -hmm. you're actually going to start chewing through those guys a bit. Yeah. And you're still effectively pushing at least to a four up save when you do it. Uh, but yeah, that, that's how you cut those guys down. Yeah. The other thing is that because it does not give cover, they also don't get their minus one to hit. No, that is not true. Um, really? the Raven guard trait basically just says, um, if you are in cover, uh, sorry, if you're 12 inches away, you get cover. And then mm -hmm. the second part is if you are in a terrain feature, you get minus one to ah, hit. So even though you're in a terrain feature, you get minus one to hit, but you won't get cover. Fair enough. All right. Uh, the next one revered hosts. Uh, this is a, again, just one CP. It's amazing. Um, the, whenever a word bearer is possessed or greater possessed unit fights, uh, until the end of the phase, add one to the damage of melee weapons for models in this unit. So that means your possessed are now damaged too. Uh, if you gave your demon prince the, um, what was it? Blah, exalted possession, for instance, give him uh, make give make a possessed and demon. Now his malefic talons are damage three. Yeah, exciting stuff. Yeah, I uh, think this is really really good yeah and then if you make that unit a corn unit now you can spend three cp to swing again just is yep. so much utility here it's yep. fantastic and we'll see in some of the other stuff they're almost doubling down on possessed here as mm -hmm. like kind of one of the big beat sticks that you can use so uh then we have hexagrammatic ward uh another one cp um so basically uh any phase after you've made a save roll for ward bears character um, you can basically just treat the result as a six, um, yep. which is kind of cool, actually. So you can you can only do it uh, once per battle, per character, um, for a character. Uh, but it's basically just like, hey, this guy is just not going to die. Jail free card. Ooh. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, screw command rerolls. Got this. This is amazing. And then uh, vengeance for Monarchia. Uh, so. People who don't might not know, word bearers really don't like ultramarines because ultramarines mm -hmm. blew up their home planet of Monarchia. So this uh, lets word bearers reroll hits and wounds units uh, against ultramarines in the fight phase. Um, it's one CP. It's uh, again just very solid, especially because unlike Thousand Suns and their feud with Space Wolves, word bearers actually have several very potent close combat units yeah yeah this actually um didn't get much love from these guys they think it sucks i think you could see it because ultramarines ultramarines are one of the armies that almost are always on the tables right there's yeah. there's some guy that's got them or there's always someone at a tournament that's got them like they show up which means you've got a chance for that to 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 actually matter mm -hmm. all right so that concludes word bears um yep. Going on to Night Lords here, 
um, night lords have almost, you pretty much just say, yeah, war bearers were kind of the worst and night lords are probably the second worst in terms of their legion traits and that kind of thing. So you can kind of make some use out of the leadership bomb against certain armies uh, that it can help. Uh, but you've, you've definitely got to stack some stuff and it's almost kind of anecdotal on top of everything else you've got. But uh, they do have some cool utility here. And I think these guys are definitely going to start to see play, at least in the competitive area, because of what they can do. So right off the bat, getting into the Warlord traits, um, he, they've got the same one as the War Bears ones, where once per battle, uh, you can reroll a single well, no, hit wound. Well, it's a little damage. Round. Yes, once per battle round, you can reroll a single hit wound, damage, advance, charge, uh, or saving throw for the warlord. Which mm-hmm. that's pretty nice. That's you'll get use out of that. Um, the next one is you can one piece at a time. Is the warlord can charge in a turn where they fell back, so they can fall back and charge. Uh, and if they um... are. Yeah, if uh, when attacking this warlord with a melee weapon, uh, right. the attacker subtracts one from the hit roll. Yeah, so he's minus one to hit in close combat. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, we have the murderous reputation. Uh, so when resolving an attack made by the warlord, an unmodified hit roll of six infl- inflicts a mortal wound on the target in addition to any other damage. So it's kind of like um, flames of spite, only it's unmodified. Um, it's also yeah, I mean, just flat out, like you just throw a bunch of attacks on there and then that that can work. Although it kind of seems kind of dumb because you could just take Flames of Spite. Like everybody has access to it and that does the exact same thing. It's kind of like, okay, just a filler a filler Warlord trait for the most part. Um, then we have Killing Fury, which is D3 attacks to the Warlord in a turn in which they made a charge. Um, so that's pretty cool or they heroically intervene, but that's pretty cool. Cause that stacks on top of all, you know, the heroic yep. as- or the, the hateful assault. So mm-hmm. now you have like what, four or five attacks with the chaos Lord, uh, when you charge, now you got a D three additional attacks on top of that. That's really, really good. Really good. Uh, then you have one with the shadows. So resolving when resolving an attack made against the warlord while they are entirely on or within a terrain feature, uh, add one to their non-invuln save. Uh, so, okay, so your chaos lord actually. So yeah, so you could you could boost something with like a two-up save, like maybe a terminator chaos lord or something like that. That yeah, ends up a- working really good there because you could get an effective one-up save. Yeah, there's a second sentence here, though. Um, yeah, as long so as, as long as... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, as long as they're entirely on or within a terrain feature, add one to their invuln save to a maximum of a 3+. plus. Right. Which I find it amusing fun. that they had to split the sentence like that in order to yeah. clarify how high the invuln save can go. Yes, so the, the armor save can go beyond a 3-up, a three, three but the invuln save cannot. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that makes sense. And then we have the last one, which is Dirty Fighter. Um, as long as there's uh, more friendly models within three inch of the Warlord than enemy models, when resolving an attack made with a melee weapon by the Warlord, add one to the wound roll. Um, not the greatest thing in the world, um, but I would say it's yeah, that would work um, against certain armies. Uh, like for instance, if you're up against knights, uh, this could potentially be very potent. Uh, because you'll generally outnumber them anyways. Um, or other like 
big yeah. elite armies. Uh, but yeah, I think that there are other warlord traits they have access to that are a little better than dirty fighter and don't require as much work to um, actually take advantage of. Yeah. Well, then we got relics. We do have relics. So Knight and Lord's relics really just sort of hammer in just these are not nice people, uh, just by the names <laughs> of their some of their things. I don't so know what makes you think that. Called the Flayer. Uh, so you know it's got to be cool. Um, plus one strength, AP minus three, damage two. Each model killed by this weapon counts as two for morale purposes. Um, it's a good power sword, and it's actually the, it stacks with the morale bomb nature of the army already, yeah. uh, which actually makes it uh, fairly useful against certain armies. Because, uh, I mean, your Chaos Lord runs in, kills a few guys, and now they have like minus eight to their leadership. Just yeah. Move this many guys. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. They take it almost takes away. Um, and they shall know no fear. It just takes yep. it out of the game. So you can yep. just almost rely on, on, on them. Or the other nice thing is you, you actually make them have to spend CP a lot more than they want to, to keep stuff on the table. Yeah. The uh, storm plate is the next relic is actually a really fluffy uh, relic. Um, so in Horus heresy, the, um, Night Lords have uh, effectively electrified a power armor um, as part of their like shock tactics, literally um, strategy. Uh, so this seems to be like a holdover from the heresy era. Effectively it's artificer armor. So it gives you a two up save uh, and you always count as being in cover, which um, I do f- like is very potent. I do find it amusing that it's Stormbolt armor, but it doesn't have the same like zappiness that it's supposed to have. Clearly, they have focused all of the electricity inward to make you like more survivable or something. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Uh, overall, though, uh, unfortunately, it is infantry only, but it makes for a pretty potent relic mm-hmm. um, just because of the effectively gives you a one plus save yeah. unless your opponent ignores cover. Well, the next one is Vox Demonicus, and I think this is probably the one you'll see a lot of folks use. Um, so basically it has to go on an infantry model, which is fine. You'll probably throw it on, um, now that chaos Lords can take thunder hammers, you'll probably cut smash Lords, um, probably on that. But what you get to do is basically enemies within six inches of it, reduce their aura abilities, uh, to one inch, which pretty much means unless you're bumped right up next to your, your enemy has their units bumped right up to, next to their character, which sometimes happens, but you'll probably catch them off with that. Uh, they won't get any benefit from the auras. But then what's even better is, in addition to that, reinforcements uh, can't be set up within 12 inches. Mm-hmm. Uh, enemy enemy reinforcements can't come in within 12, which is great because, oh, yeah, you've got that smash captain all the way on the other side of the table. Um, sure, you could try and advance and charge all the way across, but you're not going to bring one of the ones in from reserve and be able to come in and charge me. So that's a really, really helpful thing. Kind of keeps that at bay. Yeah. The next is talons of the night terror models that can fly only. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, so it gives you a D three additional attacks, uh, plus strength plus one AP minus one damage one. So effectively they're like goofy power claws. However, um, whenever you charge or charged or heroically intervene, you get an extra D six attacks. So you take this 
plus the um, Killing Fury, yeah. and now you're getting a 1d6 plus 1d3 plus 1 plus whatever your attacks value is, attacks. Yeah. That's just, that could be an absolute uh, maniacal amount of attacks. AP 1, damage 1. Um, it's really good at shredding infantry. Um, I do kind of think that it's not super great um, for the type of things that can normally take this. The, the fact that it is damage one means that you don't really want to take this on a demon prince because it's just yeah. objectively worse than his uh, malefic talents. Though I guess probably could... goes really good with the mortal wound hmm. trait because you want to have lots of attacks to trigger that. You want to have actually to wait. Wound. If you made like let's say you have malefic talents. Because this doesn't specify it replaces a weapon. You mm-hmm. make all but one of your attacks with the malefic talons, and then you make your one attack with the talons of the night terror. Would you'd still get the d6? So potentially it could be useful in that regard, I guess. Yeah, it depends on how it's worded. Uh, yeah. Again, we're reading from yeah. an extract from the book, but yeah, if it's worded like that, then yeah, and that, I think that's kind of like how the um, uh, the chain sword or the chain lord, the black legion chain lord, to get back to him. Um, yeah a lot of folks just take the extra chain sword with him so, and you have to roll that one chain sword separately because the damage profile is different, but chain swords generate one additional attack with that weapon. Not mm-hmm. here's just a, an additional attack you can throw somewhere. So yeah. uh, scourging chains, just um, another one of those pleasant relics that they towed around uh, improves the AP of uh, the wielder by one on just flat, Malay weapons get plus one. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, yeah. In addition, subtract one from attacks of any models within one inch of this model. Which is pretty good. I mean, honestly, if you're going to be throwing the, your character into like the thick of a melee, um, yeah. the extra AP is always helpful and makes them a little more survivable. Yeah. Yeah, it's good for taking on hordes, actually, because you can cut down yeah. how many attacks they can all take make against you. Mm-hmm. And then we have the last one, which is Misery of the Meek. Uh, once per battle at the start of your movement phase, uh, you can use the relic and regain D6 wounds uh, and add D3 to the model's attacks until your next turn. So you survive. Uh, you basically can just all of a sudden go supercharged on the next turn and just heal, but heal yourself back up and go for broke. Yeah, it's okay. I don't. The problem is the D6 is so swingy. That like sometimes you roll the six like yeah I got six wounds back otherwise you roll a one it's like well that was kind of worthless probably um, really good on a demon prince more than yeah. anything else but yeah mm-hmm. okay stratagems this is where the good stuff is yeah uh, so they retained their codex stratagem uh, in midnight clad uh, use this whenever an infantry unit is targeted by enemy shooting until the end of the phase subtract one from hit rolls against that unit it's a nice bit of like survivability um, yeah. but because it is only one unit uh, you'll wind up in the situation where alright well you used in midnight clad I'm just going to ignore that unit um, and so it's situationally very good well well, you can't You yeah they could ignore it but what you do is you it's one of those things because it's it reacts on targeted. You have to play it strategically. So you have to wait Correct. until they buy. Like if they're firing just something to try to bait you to use it, you, you have to recognize when that comes up. So if they're firing, I don't know, some cultists at your mm-hmm. at your raptors or something, 
that's a good time not to use it. Just let them shoot. You'll, you'll have some three up saves to make great where you're really worried is when they go to hit you with like plasma or something like that, like their hell blasters or something. Now you're in a safe where you say, okay, let's take the edge off. Let's take minus one to hit. Um, or, you know, you just kind of recognize when that, when that's the right time and then mm-hmm. you use it. So, um, but I think the big thing for them is box. This is one of the really big ones. Box screen yeah. for two CP. This thing is amazing. Uh, so at the start uh, or at the, at the end, end of, of your movement phase, so you select a model within 18 inches of a Night Lord's unit. Not just a particular one, just any unit on the board, 18 inches. Like 18 inches, think about your psychic powers and how many are 18 inches. That's, that's a huge distance. Um, you get to basically, until the, your next movement phase, enemy units cannot use the selected unit's aura abilities. So you basically target a chapter master, you target a lieutenant, whatever you're worried about. Nope, all your auras are just, they're gone. You just don't get them. I'm going to charge you great. You don't get to reroll failed hits in Overwatch against me, or you don't get to reroll your hits against me at all in Overwatch. You just shut it down. Yeah, that's honestly, it's, Imagine doing that to Gilliman. Oh God! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now the only the only uh, kind of um, downside is you have to use it on your turn. So, if yeah. you, but if you're going first, think about it this way: if you're going first and you can get something up the board in range to Gilliman, and you pop that on Gilliman, think about how much you've just shut them down just with that thing. Mm-hmm. You can do it again the next, uh, the next round, I believe too, right? Yep. It's just, cause it's not a one use only. round. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's a game changer. Uh, Night yeah. Lords, fantastic with that. Um, next one, prey on the week. One CP use when it, you pick a Night Lords unit to shoot or fight in the shooting or fighting phase. Add one to your hit rolls. As long as your leadership is higher than the models you're targeting. Um, this actually synergizes very well with the Night Lord's yeah. uh, Legion trait because they, they provo- apply penalties to the leadership. Usually you'll be higher leadership than whatever you're shooting at, unless it's Orc Boys. This is really good, actually, against Marines because mm-hmm. you're going to be higher leadership than Marines, which means it's going to proc. And if you remember Death of the False Emperor with like your Raptors or something mm-hmm. like that, there you go. Now you're Death of the False Emperoring on fives. So... So the next one is hit and run. Uh, again, it's one CP. Um, I, I love the one CP uh, stratagems because they use them over and over so again. So much value. I know, right? Uh, use at the start of the charge phase. Select one unit that fell back this turn. It can charge. Uh, again, this is extremely useful um, yeah. because it allows you to reposition your units and, in a way that you can very much take advantage of the ability to, like I say, you get locked in combat with some chaff. Now you fell back and you can position around whatever is blocking you to charge the squishy or the character behind it. Yep. It's a beautiful well, strategy. Speaking of one point stratagems, this one takes the cake. We have come for you. So you basically use this at the start of your opponent's movement phase. There are some other units in the game that have started to have this kind of mechanic. We saw the, I think it's the contorted epitome or whatever it is, the Slash mm-hmm. thing. Uh, Scarbrand has a similar mechanic. Uh, but here's what makes this stratagem so good. First of all, the fact that it's one CP. Second of all, you basically just say, 
a, a non-vehicle unit, non-Titanic unit cannot fall back. What that means is essentially uh, you've locked something in combat and there's no way to get around it. A lot of the other units in the game that have that ability, you have to roll like a four up or against leadership or something like, like there's a way for it to fail. This has no failure. It's mm -hmm. just boom, it's done, it's locked in. Um, and I think that's what really makes this so good. Yeah, and it's any Night Lord's unit that is not a vehicle. So you can yeah. selectively use this um, to tie up what you need tied up. Yep. Yeah, and if and let's be honest, if you're playing Night Lords, vehicles aren't their thing. You might have like a Scorpius or something, but yeah, they're not. Um, I guess your dreadnoughts come into play. You wouldn't be able to use it with a dreadnought to yeah. to keep it locked in. So that's kind of I can see that. Or Hellbrutes aren't vehicles either, are they? Yeah, they are. Hellbrutes are vehicles. It is. Wow, that kind of sucks for Hellbrutes because they're right? really good with Hellbrut. Mm-hmm. So uh, the next one, uh, from the night, again, one CP uses the start of a charge phase, select one Night Lord's unit from, uh, that is entirely on or within the terrain feature until the end of the turn when the charge roll is made for that unit, add two to the result. And then uh, when resolving an attack made with a melee weapon by a unit in that unit, add one to the hit roll. So again, plus one to hit. So yeah. stack yeah. that with prey on the weak, so you get plus two to hit. Yeah, yeah, well, you get. I think the bigger thing there is actually you get plus two to your charge. Yeah, uh, just so, the fact that that really helps. Mm -hmm. Though you still have to be within twelve inches to declare a charge in the first place. Something correct, but think know. about how think about how many Zangor charges we we fail because we only get plus one to the charge. That mm -hmm. Plus two to the charge really ups the game. Yes. So. Uh, Raptor strike is another one. Uh, one CP. Uh, use it in the charge phase uh, before you charge. Before you roll the charge roll. For a Night Lord's jump pack unit, so your your jump lord, your raptors, your warp talons. Yeah, um, that was a bit more to that. Yeah, so it's when the unit gets set up on the on the battlefield as reinforcements, like they've come down, they've dropped down out of reinforcements. You get to roll 3d6 for the charge instead of 2d6. This is fantastic. It's fantastic. It's so much better than re-rolling a charge. It gives you such a better way to get in there. And what's great is you use that with your warp talons. Now you've just effectively shut down Overwatch. Like they can't Overwatch the warp talons, and once they get in, you can just charge away. Yep. And then uh, the last stratagem is flay them alive. One CP. Use this in the fight phase when enemy unit is destroyed by an attack made by Night Lord's models within from your army. Until the end of the turn, when a morale test is taken for an enemy unit within 12 inches of a Night Lord's unit, your opponent must roll one additional D6 and get to you uh, you get to pick which one is discarded. It's, uh, so they you know, don't like it's it situational. Very much, but it's actually very useful if it, the wording is the same here yeah. because it's any Night Lord's unit. Yeah. So if you have your entire army has come down, you're in combat, you, they're getting minus one, two, or three, you spend the one CP, and now you can remove a bunch of extra models. Yep. Against everyone but orcs. Yep, that is true. Well, I think I think the, the summary for Night Lords is kind of similar to Word Bearers, um, where the utility, you want the stratagems, which means you mm -hmm. need a detachment of them. Um, you, you've just got so much utility there with those stratagems and you're obviously 
what's fluff, what's nice about it is kind of it's fluffy and it fits in with the Raptors and the, you know, the warp talons. So I could see you taking a unit of warp talons, a couple unit of Raptors and a, and a jump Lord of some kind to fill out a, um, like a fast attack, mm-hmm. uh, uh, detachment just to just to bring them in and that's not too expensive you'll probably fit that in within i would imagine about 300 points or so yeah one thing that they've done a good job with these so far is they've done a good job of sort of capturing the flavor of the legion uh, while also making making it useful like actually useful for what they want to right. do right well then it brings us to alpha legion or the legion of alpharius or I am Alpharius. Um, so that obviously is the first warlord trait that they get, which is the same one they have had for a while. So we're all familiar with the fact that you kill the warlord, you have to generate a new warlord trait with another character, uh, which is which can be nice. And it doesn't count towards points, victory victory points yes, until they until are all they slain. Every character. <laughs> can be very annoying. Uh, then you have clandestine, which is their first new one. So when dissolving attack against uh, made against the warlord, you subtract one from the hit roll. Um, then uh, on top of that, uh, well, yeah, that's that's yeah, about that, it. That's basically, it. That, but you can sorry. throw it on any uh, warlord in the codex. So Lord Discordant, right? Demon uh, Prince. The it's actually as much as it's like not very interesting. It is objectively extremely powerful. Well, yeah, the the example they use is the Lord Discordant. That's kind of what was mm-hmm. catching me up there, and the fact that. Um, you you already because characters get the legion trait your lord discordance or minus one to hit and on top of that now you make one minus two to hit it's pretty cool the the problem with disco lords is that you want to get them into combat and you're not going to be able to do that without like warp time or advancing and charging and alpha legion just doesn't have that you have warp time but you got to hope you can um you know, you basically have to load down on the um, uh, the Soulforge pack Vigilist detachment to do an advance and charge, and you know, hope that hope that works for you. So, yeah. Um, next we have Headhunter, um, which this Warlord can target character units even if they aren't the closest. Also, when you make a ranged attack, an unmodified roll of six does a mortal wound in addition to the other damage. I actually don't really like this trait. Uh, the main reason why is that none of the chaos characters actually have like a ton of good actually that's right. not true the lord discordant has a freaking auto cannon <laughs> if you really just want to double down on your uh, your characters all die um otherwise well, though i just i don't think this is uh, i i think what this uh this does is this should um, couple with one of the relics. And yeah. I think that's kind of what's intended here. So you take one, uh, we'll get to the relic there and we'll, we'll flip back, but I think it's intended to, to go with the, one of the relics, uh, but mm-hmm. master diversion is the next one. Um, at the start of the first battle round before the first turn, pick up the three other friendly alpha legion units on a battlefield, remove them and set them up again. So you essentially redeploy three alpha legion units, um, that is very, very good. Um, yeah. y- you essentially, things go wrong. You, your deployments will get messed up. The fact that you can just pick them up and move them is really, really good. Um, you do have to set them up a normal deployment, so it's within your 
uh, deployment zone, but you could basically be set up. And what the great thing is it's not limited to like infantry, like some other ones are, uh, you can just pick up any three. So you could also, basically um, just decide, okay, well I'm going first because I seized. So now I'll just go ahead and throw everything right up on the front line. And here we come. Yeah. It also applies to transports. So if you have a transport with all units inside, you can pick up the whole entire transport and everyone gets moved around. Right, exactly. So this could lead to some really funny shenanigans of you deploy like your big beefy unit off yep. to like one side, like early on your opponent counter deploys and then, oh, nope, he's going over here now. Yep, I think what's really missing is having three units that will always, like, this works really good with Eldar, for example, if you have Shining Spears and you have three units of spears that you want to redeploy and that's your that's your main attack thrust. Alpha Legion doesn't really have that. There's nothing that sticks out to me where they would be on the board like that. And that's, I want to be able to just kind of reposition them that way. The transports are really cool. Um, hell, I could even do Havocs or something like that. So I could get line of sight on something or move them out of line of sight. Who knows? But the, the ability to move stuff around there is really, really good. Not to be yeah. overlooked. Uh, one thing you could potentially do with Havocs in particular is uh, deploy your three sets of Havocs and the detachment that lets them, like at the start of the enemy first enemy movement phase, shoot, mm -hmm. is use Master Diversion to position them so that they have line of sight to their targets. And that way you uh, can guarantee that they're going to be able to shoot at whatever you want them to shoot at. Exactly. Yep. So the um, next trait is Cult Leader, which is a really cool ability. Um, I don't with the cultists no longer getting legion traits and any of the new rules. I don't see the scene display as much, but um, effectively, what their thing is whenever the a legion cultist unit within six inches um rolls a six to wound, uh, improve the AP by one. Yeah, that's not bad. It's, it's not terrible, it's just I don't see it being super useful all the time yeah yeah i could see it if you do a tide of traders with them mm -hmm. reposition them and then you can bring down i don't know you put the aura on a guy with a jump pack or something and now you can now you can get the cultists to where you need you're within nine inches you've obviously got 30 cultists so yeah then you like double tap enough shot less straight yeah. Yeah, I, I'm saying there's going to be some uses here. I just it seems you have to do a whole lot of legwork to get a whole. Lot yeah, of yeah, exactly. You have to dump a bunch of stuff into it where there's probably yeah. other stuff worth dumping those things into. So. Yeah. Well, the last one is faceless commander. Uh, once per battle, once per battle, at the end of the movement phase, you can pick up this warlord and set him back down within three inches of an alpha legion infantry unit, and more than nine inches away from enemy models. Uh, this is really, really good. Really good. Mm -hmm. You can just basically just redeploy your dude where you need him to be. Um, yeah. The enemy gets behind you or uh, your, your, uh, your plan didn't go according to, to plan. Uh, you just redeploy him back to where you want him to be. So he's not just an easy kill. Uh, it's honestly a fantastic ability. I'm especially like uh, Tide of Traders, for instance. Um, this is a good uh, has some synergy with that. Yeah, 
this mm. is another thing. Uh, yeah, obviously putting this on a demon prince makes a lot of sense. Uh, you could even do it with like a Lord Discordant. Uh, mm-hmm. But what's great is uh, you can actually use that. You can use this almost like a teleport homer too, where if you bring down a unit um, because it's at the end of your movement phase, you can control the order of how things happen. So you could technically bring down a unit of like whatever warp talents uh, and then basically pop this ability to teleport your Lord Discordant over to your warp talons within three and you're nine inches away. And there you go. Now, now you got two things that can go in and your warp talons can shut down overwatch and your Lord Discordant gets to charge in. Yep. So uh, that's the end of the Warlord trace. Now we're on to relics. Um, I actually, again, I'm liking the, uh, some of the relics we have, but they're putting out uh, the bringing back sort of some of the, Horus Heresy options, uh, maybe mm-hmm. even giving people incentives to buy some of the Forge World models for specialist HQs. But the Drake Scale Plate, uh, infantry only, gives the wearer a two-up save and a five-up feel-no-pain. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, so Chaos finally getting the Artificer armor back, even <laughs> after Loyalists lost it. But now, to be fair, that the feel-no-pain is only against Mortal Wounds. Yes. Not against uh, normal wounds. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we have mind mind veil. Uh, so at the start of your movement phase, if the relic holder is on the table, uh, so basically it would have had to have been on the table. So your turn starts. Uh, you get three d six. Or sorry, roll three d six. Uh, and until the end of the movement phase, the movement characteristics uh, becomes that three d six. So you can get something that can move pretty good. Um, and then also it can move over enemy models and terrain as if it weren't there. And in the charge phase, it can move over non-building models as if they weren't there. Uh, and it can charge in a turn in which it fell back. Uh, so there's a lot there and, and, and that it can do. Um, yeah, yeah, some of the stuff with the terrain is kind of cool, but I don't know how much it's going to come into play. Yeah, effectively makes your character like the uh, solitaire um, using blitz. The main, I guess, difficulty is that because it replaces your movement, if you roll triple ones, your guy suddenly has movement three. It's like, well, toast. Awful. Yeah. But um, at triple ones, I mean, you don't want to, you don't even want a command point because you're not even get all that much out of it. Yep. The next one is Hydra's Whale. Uh, once for battle at the start of the battle round, a model of this relic that's on the table can activate it until the end of the battle round. Your opponent spends when your opponent spends CP to use a stratagem, roll D6 on a four plus, they have to spend an extra CP, or else it has no effect and the strat- CP is lost. This is so much better than the Raven Guard strat. So, Raven Guard have one for two CP at the start of the first, it has to be the first battle round. Uh, so right off the bat, this is better because you can just use it, use it at the start of a battle round. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, Raven Guard can only use it on the first battle round, and it's two CP for them to do it, whereas this one is either free or it's only one CP for you to take the extra relic. And then on top of that, Raven Guard, it's a five up for it to cost one more. On this one, it's four up, uh, which is really, really good. Uh, so if you know you've got a turn coming in, uh, usually turn one or two, but if you've got a turn where you know the opponent's about to spend a whole bunch of CP or you have that feeling, you just pop it. And 
you can actually shut down their ability to do what they want to do just off the fact that, okay, look at how much CP they just burned off of that. Yeah. And then the, the next one, Viper's Bite, as I think, Mike, where this goes back to shooting characters. Yeah, um, so, yeah, so you take a combi bolter. Um, basically, it's the same stats of a combi bolter, only it's strength five instead of four. It's AP two, and then it's two damage. Uh, so that's, that's pretty dang good. Um, you put that on a Terminator, and you're, you get full rapid fire all the time. Uh, you know whether you move or not, and that would be really yeah. cool. Or a bike character, or just a character. Who wants yeah, to yeah. So there's yeah, plenty of options it. here. I, I like it. Yep. All right. Next is the Hydra's Teeth model with a bolt weapon. So again, bringing back uh, some Horus Heresy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the model's bolt weapons gain the following abilities. This weapon automatically hits its target, wounds on the two plus, ignore unless targeting the vehicle or Titanic unit. In which case, the will always wins on the six plus and units that can't don't sorry units don't get benefit from cover against the weapon shots. It's effectively super poison. Yeah, yeah. You could also use this with headhunter, but there, I mean, yeah, you I think have, that the damage too is a little, a little more effective there. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, and then our final one is shade blade uh, replaces a power sword or a four sword. Uh, so it's strength plus one, AP minus three, D three damage, um, and uh, attacks against the bear got minus one to hit. So it's a good all around. Like, man, you can really stack some stuff here. Like your minus one to hit, then minus another minus one from the warlord trait, and then another minus one because of this thing. Like, you can really stack some some good minus to hit modifiers. Yeah, really, I would take this on a Chaos Lord or Exalted Champion because yeah. they get the most benefit out of the extra D3, whereas the Sorcerer doesn't really benefit from it. Yeah, but yeah, that's very true. Good, very good relic. I like that. All right, so then we're jumping into Stratagems. Um, obviously, they just like the other ones, they kept their main one, which they have gone through an evolution with this, where it used to be you could just redeploy stuff. Now it is you can move up to nine inches. Yeah, um, it's a which is nice. It's yeah. Fine. Uh, then you have uh, conceal for two CP. So at the start of your opponent's shooting phase, pick an Alpha Legion unit in your army till the end of the phase. It cannot be shot unless it's the closest target. Uh, this is really, really good, in my opinion. Really, really good. Um, you've got a unit of Havocs that's on the board, like Laz Cannon Havocs, and I don't know, your opponent really wants them gone. Well, you just spend two CP when they start their shooting phase and guess what? They can't shoot that unless you, you know, that happens to be the closest target and last cannon havocs better not be the closest target. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Next one, sabotaged armory. I actually really like this one. Um, use whenever a enemy vehicle is destroyed. Um, if you have any alpha legion <laughs> units on the table, your opponent adds three to the D six to see if it explodes and you can't reroll the results. I just can't think of how many times this is going to be so great when it's just, man, it would be great if that explodes. Oh, look, it does. Oh, that's yeah. a shame. Yeah, I mean, for one CP against any mechalized, it's so good. It's amazing. It's so good. Oh yeah. I just blew up your night. Oh yeah. For one CP, it blows up. Yep. Yep. All right, uh, 
Scrambled coordinates is our next strategy on one CP. Use in your opponent's movement phase when they're setting up a unit arriving as reinforcements, but before it has been placed on the table. That unit has to be set up more than 12 inches away from any alpha lead units in your army rather than nine. Uh, literally, uh, this shuts down orcs, uh, shuts yeah. down uh, any deep striking army that relies on assault. Um, honestly, yep. uh, it's, it's amazing defensively. Yeah, you just basically say, "Okay, what are you what are you bringing in?" Okay, I'm going to spend one CP that those orc boys cannot be; uh, they can't come in that way, or you know, Zangors. I mean, it just oh. counters Zangors. Uh, I mean, it counters any blood letters. It counters um, Gene Stiller cults. Yep. yep. Again, but it does it's not one CP. It does not counter jump and it does not counter um dark matter crystal. Um it actually does counter jump. Because the wow. they FAQ'd the uh anything that comes in, like leaves and comes back in counts as reinforcements. It's why the um Incarn gets uh screwed by Phobos armor. Uh okay. I didn't I thought it was the opposite. I thought they FAQ'd that if you jumped it does not count as arriving from reinforcements. I mean, unless they've changed it again since the last time I looked at it. Uh, well, we'll have to circle back on that. Yep. All right. Um next one, this is a fun word. Renaissance infiltration. Nice again, job. one CP. Yep. Uh, use at the end of your movement phase. Pick an Alpha Legion infantry unit from your army that is more than one inches away from any enemy models and didn't arrive as reinforcements this turn. That's possible. Yes. Um, remove that unit from the battlefield. Set it up again at the end of your next movement phase, more than nine inches away from any enemy models. Any models that can't be set up when this happens are destroyed and it doesn't come back before the enemy battle ends. It is destroyed. Um, literally this allows you to like, Oh no, I have a unit out like off out in the middle of nowhere. Just pick those suckers back up and plop them down next turn where somewhere they're useful. Uh, for one CP, this is fantastic. Um, there's just like, these just keep going on. There's so many, like every single one that's in here is just really usable and really good. Yeah. Like the one thing, lots of situations they would work. Really interesting so far is that there's a big, effectively everything we've seen so far has been very infantry focused. I'm excited to see uh, whether the iron uh, warriors uh, have some more like vehicle things. Yep. All right. And then did we get to, um, I think we just did, that was feigned retreat or? No, that was renaissance infiltration. Ah, okay. So now we've got a couple, we've got a few more here. So ambush is two CP. Uh, basically after a unit is set up, set up on the battlefield, opponent's unit is set up on the battlefield as reinforcements. You can pick an alpha legion unit within 18 inches, uh, to shoot at it as if it was the shooting phase. Uh, and it does not have a minus one to hit modifier on it. Uh, like you usually get with other stuff. This is, this is like a better Osvex scan. I mean, mm-hmm. it is so good and it's 18 inches away. Uh, so you, I mean that again, 18 inches is very, very generous. Yeah. Though it does cost one more CP than Auspex scan does. Oh, uh, that's a good point. So it, it's effectively it's balanced out by that. Yeah. Um, however, it's still excellent. Um, oh yeah! Again, pe- just deep striking armies don't really work against Alpha oh, yeah. Legion, and I like Absolutely. that. Um, next one, feigned retreat, one CP using the movement phase after a Alpha Legion unit falls back. It can still shoot. Yeah. No fantastic. more tying up those obliterators. 
Yep, they're just gonna take a step back, shoot the bejesus out of you, and uh, yeah. you're gonna have a bad time. And then finally, we are Alpharius for one CP. Um, before the battle, uh, you can give another Alpha Legion character a Warlord trait. So this is kind of what made me think that the other uh, chapters are not getting the same kind of love here that I thought all of them would get, where they could all take Warlord mm-hmm. traits like this. Um, and this is really good because they all deserve to be able to do this. You should be able to put multiple Warlord traits out there just to, to make use of them. Otherwise you're just yeah. taking one, one a game. Um, but definitely, definitely is really cool. Yeah, no, it's a very potent, um, ability of a stratagem. And I, I kind of wish that the other legions got it, but you yeah. know what? Alpha Legion getting it works fine. It makes a lot of sense too because it lets you basically take us like the sniper terminator mm-hmm. and not really sacrifice ha- being able to take some of the other stuff that's a little bit more bol- uh, uh, bolstering to the to the army. Yeah. All right. On the topic of Iron Warriors, yeah, I'm, uh, interested to see what they get. Having not really seen anything on them so far. Well, we know they're still cold and bitter. They are still cold and bitter. It's, uh, um can be a baby abaddon it's uh, not really <laughs> useful i guess demon smith this sounds exciting uh when resolving an attack by a model in a friendly iron warriors demon engine or cult of destruction unit within six inches of this war- warlord an unmodified hit roll of six scores an additional hit do you know what that's all right uh the, i guess the main thing i'm looking at here is that it's an unmodified hit roll of six and most of the units this would apply to don't necessarily get a ton of attacks. Obliterators. Uh, um, I mean, how many shots do they get? Six a piece. So, I mean, that'd be an extra hit yep. on average for each of them. I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's all right. Um, I, I don't, it's no bolter drill, but the, I guess the weapons it applies to are much more potent than a bolter. I think it's more just the ability for it to explode. You know what I actually think it's good on? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's demon engines, Forge Fiends all of a sudden. Like, I could see taking a uh, Hades Cannon Forge Fiend with this, just with the sheer number of shots that thing gets. And they're two damage. It's like AP2, two damage. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you pop Demon Forge on that as well, and you get to reroll. That could yeah. be pretty good. Yeah. Um. Iron Without uh, gives the Warlord a 5-up Feel No Pain. Effectively, whenever they lose a wound, yeah. on a 5-plus, they don't. It's not bad. Some. Good on a Demon Prince. Yep. All right. Uh, next one is called Bastion. When resolving an attack made with a weapon that is AP-1 against a friendly Iron Warriors unit that has been in 6 inches of your Warlord and is in cover, the weapon is treated as being AP-0. Uh, actually very relevant in the current meta because yeah. of uh, Marines getting the extra AP one on like their bolters from uh, tactical doctrine. Uh, this yeah. actually works very well against that. I guess the only, the only problem is um, if it's AP one, it's treated as AP zero, but yeah. then above AP two, doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything, and I think that's yeah. kind of the problem there. It, in my opinion, it would be better that it works for, you know, it just takes an, uh, a level of AP off of everything. Yeah. But. All right. 
No. Siege Master. Yep. So friendly Iron Warrior Havocs and vehicles can reroll ones to wound within six inches. Finally, finally, Chaos gets some some kind of form of a lieutenant. Uh, yep. Really good. They, every Space Marine army takes a lieutenant. Tells you how good that is. The fact that it only applies to Havocs and vehicles. All right, that's fine, but you can make that work. Like those are the units you really want it to apply to anyways. Yeah. And uh, next stoic advance friendly iron warriors do not suffer the penalty to move and fire heavy weapons while within six inches of this warlord. Uh, actually combos very well with the demon engines uh, because not all of them suffer penalties to move and shoot. Yeah. Um, and if the Lord discordant, giving them plus one to hit now, they're just hitting on th- threes all the time. Yep. Um, or potentially, um, actually, I think that's literally the only unit that really applies to them because Havoc's already ignore that. Um, do obliterators, I guess. Yeah. I think if you're, if you have, well, a Lord discordant's already given plus one to hit, right? Yeah. Um, so now you basically your demon engines are hitting on threes. Yes. Which is nice. Really nice. And you could also, you could pop, uh, you put the reroll ones to wound on there as well. And now you're, uh, now you're doing some pretty good stuff because you can just reroll your failed hits with demon forge if you need to, mm-hmm. at least with one of them. Yeah. All right. How about some relics? They do have some relics. Put on your hazard stripes and um, get ready to rumble. Oh, yeah. Yep. So uh, first, we got a siege breaker mace. It breaks sieges and faces. <laughs> All right. It replaces a power mall or a curse to the Crozius. So again, take it on a dark apostle, chaos lord, or a dark uh, exalted champion. Uh, gives you a dual weapon profile. You can either swing it if you're feeling siege or smash it if you're feeling breaky. Uh, the swing profile is like sweeps uh, strength plus two AP minus two damage two. it's a pretty solid profile for a Crozius. Uh smash is uh, strength times two AP minus three damage D six, but you only make two attacks with it. But um, for each one, you roll two D six and wait, what? Yeah, but it's a melta. It basically, Oh is a mel- yeah. A yeah smash yeah, is melta, but it's only two attacks. Yeah. So, Again, I think it's actually a fairly solid uh, relic for a close combat monster. Um, for yeah, for considering how how few melee weapons actually do D6 damage or more than mm-hmm. three, um, almost all of them are either flat three or sick or D3. Um, that's pretty good, I mean, especially 2D6. The also, it doesn't have minus one to hit. Yeah, that's also really good. Yeah, uh, so actually I think it's uh, pretty solid. Next is probably my uh, my favorite named relic out of the whole thing, the Cranium Melivia, Mel, Melavolus, Melavolus. My favorite that I can't even pronounce. I know, right? Uh, a model with this relic can use the Cranium instead of shooting. If you do, roll a d6 for each enemy vehicle within nine inches, <laughs> and on a four to, on a four up, it takes d3 mortal wounds. But if you roll a six, it takes three mortal wounds. Uh, that's like, Hey, guess what? Really good. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty solid right there. That is really good. Really, really good. 
I just can see it. You're, you're going up against guard or somebody with a bunch of vehicles and you just, you get some, or they got a bunch of dreadnoughts and you just, you get something in there. Um, yeah. How you just bring it down. You gotta be, so you, you'd have to be in combat already, but you, you somehow just need to get it in, in, into combat with the stuff and you can just start bursting mortal wounds off the thing. Yep. And looks like you can do that every turn. Yes. This is even better. Fantastic. It's like uh, Demon Bolt every turn. Yep. All right. Next is Insidium. This model gets the Demon keyword, if it doesn't already have it, and gets plus one strength, toughness, and wounds. This is actually fairly useful because, again, there are a ton of different things in the Chaos faction that key off the Demon keyword, Mm -hmm. and so now you get more bonuses. Yeah. I like it. Even even if you just want to take the again, just get the bonus strength, toughness, and wounds. Uh, that even on a demon prince or a lord discordant, it's hell. The toughness is great because now you have what a T seven lord discordant. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yep. Uh, but since they like forging and siege breaking, uh, the next thing is the axe of the forge master, uh, which replaces a power axe or demonic axe, and. It's now strength plus three, AP three, two damage. And whenever you fight a vehicle, unmodified hit rolls of five, hit rolls of five include uh, D3 mortal wounds in addition to the regular damage. Mm. That is saucy. Yeah. And it replaces the demonic axe, which normally has a minus one to hit. Yeah. Um, Effectively, what it does is you keep the strength but lose the damage. Uh, And you get this... Tasty, oh, yeah. tasty mortal wounds. Um, oh, honestly, yeah. this is a fa- fantastic upgrade. Oh yeah, this thing. That, that thing. Or even a, uh, we will see that thing on the table. Mm-hmm. Guarantee it. That thing's amazing. Yep. Next, we got spite spitter. God, love that alliteration. It spits spite. Uh, it spits spite. Hates everything. Imperial fist so much. It's common <laughs> alter. Uh, twenty-four inch range, rapid fire two. So same as usual. Strength five, AP minus three, damage D three. It's a pretty solid choice for like a Terminator uh, Lord or Terminator Sorcerer or yeah, most of those two things. Terminator uh, probably, so you always get your rapid fire. Yeah. Oh my god, that's a long name. Yeah. So, well, uh, the last one lets you upgrade your mecha tendrils, the techno venomous mecha tendrils on your warsmith. Um, so now it does four attacks. Um, it basically does strength user, you know, AP zero one damage, but every hit that is scored scores a mortal wound. Uh, so it basically works kind of like a soul burner. Mm-hmm. That's just really good. And, uh, as they pointed out, the, uh, Lord discordant has the warpsmith keyword, which means you can actually give this to a warpsmith. Yeah. And those piddly little two warpsmith are, Mecha tendril attacks that he has now become more Serious mortal wounds. Business. Yep. So, all right, stratagems. Going to strategize it up. All right, first one is the uh, one they get from the Codex: Iron Within, Iron Without. Nobody's really surprised by this. Uh, effectively, one CP give a Iron Warriors unit a six up, feel no pain. Yep. So it's which solid. isn't bad. Yeah, it's just any unit. So. I've used that on a Land Raider Achilles before, and that can be pretty annoying. <laughs> or a Fellblade. Or a Fellblade, yeah. That, Never that going happens. to go away. All right. Uh, I like the name of this one, Methodical Annihilation. 
One CP. Yes, we are not world eaters, and we do not just annihilate. Mm-hmm. Unmethodical. No, we are methodical. About it. Meticulous about this experience. Yes. All right. Use in the shooting phase when you pick an Iron Warrior unit to shoot with. Pick one of the following effects. Reroll damage rolls. Awesome on last cannons. Reroll any or all of the dice to determine the type characteristic of weapons that models in that unit are equipped with. So like obliterators? Yeah. Really good. Mm-hmm. No, that that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, very very potent. Yep. Now you know, I'm seeing all this stuff like this and some of the other stuff that targets obliterators, like some of the auras. It makes me hope that maybe obliterators get a little bit of a point reduction in chapter approved Uh, because Mm -hmm. when they rolled out the new stats on them, they did give them a hefty little increase. And some of that was warranted obviously by the fact that they, they got beefier, but it didn't scale proportionately, uh, which I think we talked about when they came. We did. So I could see them back on the table again. It would be pretty cool. They, the new models look amazing. Mm Hmm. Well, I suppose you can do your duty here, David. You actually uh, own Dower duty. Mm -hmm. Uh, Use in your opponent's shooting or charge phase when an Iron Warrior's unit is chosen as the target of an attack. Okay, that's good so far. Until the end of the phase, when you resolve an attack with a ranged weapon against said unit, reduce the AP by one. (laughs) Ha ha! Not bad. Not bad at all. And... It's also not bound to infantry as well. So it's just good at just taking the edge off a bunch of stuff. Yep. Next one is unholy vigor. Use at the start of your movement phase to give an iron warrior vehicle. uh, That's poorly worded. Um, (laughs) According to this, it gives it three wounds for one CP. Yeah. um, I think it's just one CP. Give a vehicle three wounds back. Yep. It's pretty solid. Right. Lord Discordant now healing four wounds a turn again. Yep. All right. Next, we've got Tank Hunters, one yep. CP. I imagine this is pretty much exactly what it describes on the tin, but uh, using the shooting or fighting phase when shooting or fighting with a non cultist Iron Warriors unit. See, cultists don't get to have fun. Just break the game. Uh, pick a vehicle, and until the end of the phase, you can re roll wound rolls against that vehicle. Uh, yeah. actually uh, interesting point you have to not effectively this prevents you from split firing to kill multiple vehicles with this stratagem yeah but really good if they've got like a knight or something like that you just yeah. say bring it down more or less mm-hmm. then we have rampant technovirus for one CP uh, sounds like the name of a band yeah uh, Used in the shooting phase or fight phase. When you pick an Iron Warrior, obliterators or mutilators. <laughs> hey, <laughs> mutilators do not suck. Hey, I love mutilators. <laughs> they are actually usable. Uh, until the end of phase, you can reroll any or all D3 rolls made for that unit's flesh weapons. So this is interesting because how does this one differ from... Uh, Meth- uh, was it methodical annihilation? Yeah, methodical annihilation, where you can re-roll any or all of the dice to determine the type characteristics of that weapon. Well, I don't know about the type thing. Um, however, one thing is if it does work the way we think it does, 
you could use rampant technovirus on one unit of obliterators and methodical annihilation on another unit of obliterators to allow yeah. you to buff both. I, I mean, I think so. That that would be right there with it. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, do mutilators have a random amount of attacks? Of attacks? <laughs> um, yeah, I think they do. So that might be the one difference is that one lets you reroll all the type characteristics, which that would include the number of shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one only applies to the shooting phase. Correct. So. All right. Cannon fodder. Two CP. Use it at the start of your opponent's shooting phase. Pick a unit, pick an Iron Warriors unit, then pick an Iron Warriors Cultist unit, wholly within six inches of this. Oh, I love where this is going. <laughs> Until the end of the phase, enemies cannot be the select. So, enemies can't target the selected unit if the Cultist unit you picked is closer to the visible target. Like, hey, just get in the way. Just take those bullets for us. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> that's fun oh man it's like a grot shield but oh yeah yeah all right uh the last one is bitter enmity uh the throwaway rivalry stratagem is a referred to it effectively when you're fighting imperial fist and malay combat you can reroll hit and wound rolls because you hate them imperial fists yeah seed charter all right hey party time Party time. Break out the break out the drugs. Uh, out it's Emperor's the children. Technovirus. Yeah, we're moving on from the technovirus, and we're we're gonna talk some drugs with the. Yeah. So, so Emperor's children have always actually been a fairly interesting place. I actually thought that they were of the, um, I guess, factioned chaos legions one of the better ones because of their ability to both shoot very well and have good close combat yeah um, i think they've traditionally sort of suffered and the, they don't have much support for their core unit though yeah and um now they get all this fun stuff it's getting there yeah yeah so um the first trait warlord trait they get is stimulated by pain i believe this was the one that they already had mm-hmm um, is add one to the attacks characteristic for each wound suffered. Um, actually, like it's okay on a demon prince. He's got enough wounds that uh, they'll actually be able to get some use out of it. However, I think that there are better traits. It gets amazing on a Lord Discordant. Yeah. So it does max out at three. Well, still, that's <laughs> three additional attacks with your Lord Discordant. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. And then uh, next we have Intoxicating Musk. Uh, enemy attacks made within three inches of the Warlord have minus one to hit. Sex Panther. <laughs> 60% of the time, of the time it works. It works every time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Still pretty fun, though. Yeah. Uh, uh, unbounded Arrogance. This is, uh, okay, I didn't need that little thing. Uh, when you fight with your Warlord, both you and an opponent pick a number between one and three on a dice. Hiding it behind your hands. Reveal <laughs> numbers. If the numbers are different, add the number you chose to your attacks. Oh God, Mike! You know what this? You know what this reminds me of? Is that stupid Nagash thing? Like, <laughs> which 
which dice is my hand? Like, is, is in my hand. If you guess wrong, your this, guy dies. This reminds me of uh, Vegas Vacation when Chevy Chase has to go to like the alternative casino. And he's mm-hmm. playing all these like oddball games, and one of them is like, guess which hand? Or, uh, or another one was like, guess the number. He's like, six. Due to me, it was like four. It's like, dang it. Yeah. I can just see this happening over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, next, Faultless Duelist. Um, at the start of the fight phase, roll D3 until the end of the phase. Subtract that many attacks from enemies within one inch of the Warlord. Oh my god. Now that's really it's good. It's actually really potent. That's really good. Oh, that's a nice uh that's a nice incarn you just put in there. Uh that'll be minus three attacks. Like, no, thank you. No, no, thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh glutton for punishment. Reduce any damage inflicted on the warlord by one to a minimum of one. Fantastic on pretty much anything. Yeah. Uh, Lord of Scorn, uh, of course, is awesome with this. Uh Demon Prince. Got a next. Our last one is Loathsome Grace. Reroll charge rolls and add one to your warlord strength and attacks when you charge or make a heroic intervention. Um, stacks pretty well with um, the shock assault rule or whatever it's called for yeah. the bad shock assault. Yeah, that's real good. Just another bonus. You basically build up one dude into you know a beat stick. Yep. Nice way to do it. You get me some relics. Yeah. So the endless grin. It, it's a grin that never ends. Uh, enemy units get minus one to the leadership and roll an additional die, uh, dropping the one of your choice when they make morale tests within six inches of the model with this relic. Uh, this just feels... I mean, your guy's so creepy, they want to walk away. It's... Yeah. I don't actually think this is a very good relic, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Uh, the uh, the other army that has this, the um, Night Lords, at least they have so many d- options for getting a minus one yeah. leadership that they can actually make use of it. This is sort of a one-off. I don't. Feels it feels it, like a filler. It it's out of place. Like yeah. it doesn't go with what Emperor's Children do. Yeah. Fatal Sonancy. This is a weapon with 12-inch range. Assault D6, strength 6, AP minus 1, damage 1. It hits automatically and then no discover. Effectively, it's a 12-inch range super flamer. I uh, actually kind of like it. Yeah. And considering Emperor's Children have, like, um, what are they called? Doom Sirens all over the place, which Mm -hmm. are real similar. This fits right in. Yep. Uh, Then we have the Armor of Abhorrence. Enemy units cannot fire Overwatch at the model with this relic. Really good. But, or and if they fail a morale test within six inches of the model with a relic, an additional model flees. That's also nice. Yeah, but the Overwatch thing is really what's most That's important here. really good. Just being able to shut Overwatch down is really, really good. Mm-hmm. So to save David, the tongue twister that is this next one. Yeah, I would fail. Remnant of the Mara Viglia. Priest model only. So Dark Apostles. Once per battle, instead of chanting and prayer, the model can broadcast the remnant. For the rest of the battle round, reroll wound rolls within six inches of the model with the relic. This is really good. Yeah. Um, effectively uh, turns into a super lieutenant for a round. Uh, given the options that 
the uh, Emperor's children have available to them. That's pretty amazing. Rerolling wounds. So consider the fact that Gilliman was like one of the only other models in the game that gave an aura like that. And now Emperor's children can actually have it. Mm-hmm. Stacking That's with endless cacophony and veterans along more. That yeah. makes that pretty insane. Yeah, that is really scary how good that could be. Mm-hmm. Um, distortion replaces a power or a force sword. So pretty much the same as what we've seen a lot of other um, relics so far. Uh, AP minus four, though. Uh, damage D3. And you can opt at the start of a fight phase to gain minus one to hit and uh, double your strength. Um, which uh, is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, effectively, it gives you switch hit. I think that the remnant of the Mara Viglia is hands down way better, but I, I can see taking that if you sort of want to. Oh, these are just so good. I mean, really, really, I mean, now we have the uh, Raymond Revulsive. Uh, a model with this relic can reroll all charge, hit, and wound wall rolls. Like, just all of them. <laughs> so yep. good. Uh, that is just so good. And yeah, obviously thinking about that with like a, uh, a smash Lord, but even on a Lord discordant, good God. <laughs> yeah, all no, charge hit and wound rolls. Mm-hmm. Not fucking around at all. That is really, oh, really good. Here to he's here for business. <laughs> business is booming. My lord. All right. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say so far, Mike, of, of everything we've Your gone through, is amazing. That that stuff is just holy shit. That stuff is good. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even got the stratagems now. Nope. Ready for some more good shit? We got combat elixirs. Yeah. Uh, it's two CP at the start of the battle round. Select one Emperor's Children that is not a vehicle or a chaos cultist because cultists don't know how to potty, party. You can only use this uh, once per battle. Apply one of the following effects. Plus one attack. Plus one strength. Plus two to move or plus one toughness. I mean, there are so many different combinations of like what benefits from this. Uh, it's kind of absurd. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah. Can, Use it on just about anything. Except and for that's the that's the great thing about this is it's not a it's not a pre game thing. It's a at the start of the battle, meaning you can pick when you want to use this. You might not even need to take it in the game, but there could be a good the way you need to like you can pick and choose. Like maybe one game I throw it on Terminators, another one I throw it on I don't know Raptors, Warp Talons, whatever I've got on my list. Possessed give another attack to possess that would be really really good yeah um excess of violence is the uh, codex um stratagem effectively anytime that an emperor's children infantry unit of when you pick a emperor's yeah. unit to fight spend one cp anytime they destroy an enemy model they make an additional attack with the weapon that killed right. the model so which is just a same one that they've had for a while yeah but it is very effective for one yeah. cp yeah. Um, incessant disdain one CP uh, use this at the end of your opponent's charge phase select one emperor's children's character and give them a six inch heroic intervention um, situationally very potent um, depending on what you're up against um, the extra six inches can surprise some people and uh, you yeah. could 
potentially get a big swing if they're not careful. Yeah. But it can all, I think, I think a lot of times the heroic intervention is something that most people are, at least from what I've seen, they get pretty good at being able to think about. Mm-hmm. There's enough things in the game in early eighth. It wasn't that big of a deal, but there's enough stuff in the game now that uses it. Yeah. All right. So honor the Prince one CP. After making a charge roll with a Slanesh unit, which would be everything in your Emperor's Children army, <laughs> that has to be, duh. Yep. Uh, that would be like, pick a Thousand Suns Zinch unit as if there could be a Thousand Suns non-Zinch unit. Like, okay. Uh, anyways, change the result of 1d6 to a 6. Uh, that's... That's so incredible. I love I love this. It's so good at like you don't have to do three each six charge, you don't have to re-roll the charge. You just simply say, Hey, look, one of these is enough that if I change the other to a six, I make it. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Like, hands down, so far, Emperor's Children is just winning this right now. Yep. So I got another um meshing with the radio stratagem excruciating frequencies one cp uh when you select an emperor's children noise marine unit to shoot use this stratagem to give them plus one to strength and damage with their blast masters sonic blasters and doom sirens until the end of the phase so actually uh, amazing for one cp effectively it's well better uh veterans of the long war you want it mike you want to know something really funny about this so noise marines have music of the apocalypse so when it dies they get to shoot right if you have sonic blasters in the whole army you could essentially like let's say you're getting shot at you can pop that when um I think when you get shot with music of the apocalypse there, because then you choose to shoot, you're, you're essentially shooting, shooting the unit. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a little bit edgy. Yeah, I don't think that quite works out the way that you'd want it to. Well, in any case, my thought was that you could increase the damage when they're shooting you and you can actually have a lot of fun with the fact that, okay, you're killing stuff and then um, you could go back and use excess violence uh, or not excess violent, but um, uh, the other one that lets you just uh, start shooting even more. Yeah. The fact that you get one additional attack. I think it is excess violence actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Don't mind me. Anyways. I, I know. I don't hold it against you. Yeah, it's okay. Yep. Uh, I'm cruel. For, I'm here for the chaos kicks. You know what? We're going to get to your, uh, well, one of your favorite legions here in a bit. Uh, cruel duelists. One CP. When you pick an emperor's children unit, no cultists or vehicles, again, uh, to fight with in the fight phase. Uh, any unmodified sixes to wound will kick up your models to AP minus three for that attack. Uh, effectively gives them blade storm, which is an older mm-hmm. ability uh, on their close combat weapons. It's all right for one CP, um, especially if you've got a boatload of attacks. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, um, hell, noise marines are not bad in close combat. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, and then the last one, uh, one CP tactical perfection. Before the first turn begins, select one Emperor's shoulder unit and redeploy it to a new position, following the deployment rules for the mission. If it's in transport, the uh, transport also gets redeployed. I mean, for one CP, it's not bad. Uh, yeah. It gives you a little bit of tactical flexibility. Yeah. And honestly, uh, there's so much good stuff here that um, that's just sort of icing on the cake, the ability to get exactly where you want to be. We we will without a doubt see Emperor's Children competitively. Yeah, competitively, so. that stuff is that good. Yeah. All right. Like you said, get into the world eaters here. And this is the last of uh, last of our six legions getting stuff. And I am actually really excited about the stuff that I'm seeing here. So Slaughterborn is still, again, one of the ones that gets lifted. Um, you kill a character monster Titanic model. Uh, you add one to it as attacks and strength. Uh, pretty damn cool. Uh, but not all that great. Arc Slaughterer. Uh, if there are more enemy models within three inches of your warlord than friendly models, uh, they get D3 additional attacks until the end of the fight phase. Uh, it's okay. I mean, that's maybe on a demon prince, you get an extra three attacks. It's not that great, but in most cases you're going to get those extra attacks. That's what I would think. Yeah. It's not hard to generate to, um, right. Orchestrate that. Right. But that's probably why it's only D3 extra attacks, too. Yeah. So I'm actually interested. So, the um, coming out with the new Warlord traits, whether or not they'll change uh, like Karn or Lucius's Warlord traits to give them one of the new ones. Like, I can very much see Karn the Betrayer getting Arc Slaughter. Mm hmm. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. But uh, next one is Disciple of Corn. Reroll hits and wounds against characters or units that have a model with five or more wounds when using the Warlord's melee weapons. It's okay. The I, I kind of think that it suffers from the same thing that Slaughterborn does. Yeah. It's because you're trying to hunt characters or big guys with your yeah. Warlord. You just It's going to be hard to get him into a position to make use of it. it there's probably going to be another one in here that makes more sense to take rather than... Yeah you know, stacking that. Although that's not bad, but yeah. Uh, next one is violent urgency. Uh, when an advance or charge is made for a friendly world leaders within six of your warlord, add one to the result. Um, th it's, that's good right off the yeah. bat. That's really good. So it's because it applies to multiple units. Effectively, it's like giving never everyone the, uh, Zengor banner. Yeah, Zengor but you banner. have to remember that almost everything that you can take in world leaders can take an icon of uh, rage or whatever it is, which is yeah. re-roll re -roll your charge. Mm -hmm. So it's a plus one and you can re-roll your charge. Yeah. True Berserker. Have incoming damage from melee weapons against your warlord. Anytime you can reduce the damage or have damage is really good. I I think that's probably one of the really, really good traits that they're they've been very sparse at handing out. Lately yeah. they haven't, but uh, it's it's pretty stellar um for what it does. Yeah. Although it is only melee weapons, so Yeah. 
Though, I guess unless you're playing against Raven Guard, your character should be able to get across the table yeah. uh, and actually hit melee. Yeah. Then the last one is Battle Lust. Increase your Warlord's heroic intervention to six inches, uh, which again, we talked about that. Um, and he always fights first in the fight phase, even if you didn't charge, which actually can be very, very useful. Yeah, especially against Slanesh, yep. uh, Inari, uh, Banshees in general. Yep. Emperor's children. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> On top of all the stuff they got that's really good, they always fight first too, don't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, they do. Oh, God. Yep. All right. Relics. Uh, Crimson Killer. Uh, Karn decided to let the World Eaters borrow his plasma pistol. Um, he just gets by on sheer anger these days. Yeah, sure. Um, with it, guys. 12 inch range, strength nine, AP minus three, damage three. Unmodified wound rolls of four plus, uh, with this weapon to inflict a bonus mortal wound. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty awesome plasma pistol. Yeah, but, um, I agree. It is still just a plasma pistol. Yeah. Then we have Gorefather. Uh, earlier in the game or in the discussion tonight, that I talked a little bit about this versus the Chain Lord. Essentially, it is a uh, super chain axe uh, that is strength plus two, AP minus two, three damage, but you're at minus one to hit. However, if you have an unmodified wound roll of six, you inflict three mortal wounds. However, the attack sequence ends. And this is kind of where I think it's a good weapon from the standpoint of just world eaters. Um, it, it is very effective, but on this, on the flip side, it's a chain axe, meaning it can't go on a demon prince. It's got to go on, you know, like a chain, uh, a chaos Lord or something like that. And the fact that you don't get your regular damage in addition to this kind of limits or caps the amount of output that you can get with it. Correct. It doesn't explode. It just, right. Some of its, it's are especially effective. Right. It's good. It is a good, good weapon worth, worth considering taking, but Mm -hmm. I'm not crazy about it. Yep. Next is the uh, priest model only banner of rage. Uh, Once per battle, add one to the attacks of friendly world eaters within six inches of the model. I'm curious if this is friendly world eaters models or friendly world eaters units. That'll be a very important distinction. Yes, it will. I like this or not. Yes, it will. If it's, if it's, uh units it also doesn't specify when it's used right um potentially very potent though oh yeah absolutely all right next is the berserker glaive it's uh effectively it's a, it's, a, it's a chain glaive yeah, um, it does things. Uh, plus one strength, AP minus two, damage two, and if the bear loses wound on a five plus, it's not lost. It's uh, actually kind of funny that their defensive relic is still just a big choppy thing. Yeah, well, that's how they roll. Yep. Uh, next, we got a fancy hat, the Helm of Furor. <laughs> Furor. I'm, I'm not sure why there's an extra E on the end. Yeah. Uh, infantry only adds two to the strength characteristic of the model with the relic. You must charge with this model if you're within eight <laughs> inches of any enemy at the start of the charge phase. Um, I mean, plus two strength is pretty solid. The uh, restriction on infantry and the fact that you, effectively you must charge 
feels a little odd yeah. considering the strength of some of the other relics. However, it's a big angry hat, so I guess I'm okay with that. And the uh, the last one is blood hunger. When an enemy so model is destroyed by a relic holder in the fight phase, roll a d6. On a four plus, the bear gains up to one lost wound. Yeah, that's okay. So the thing I'm quite wondering about here is if it's capped to one wound per phase. So the reason I, because the, the, the wording they have here implies that it's not. Um, and the, like the Yanari um, aren't capped to one yeah. per phase. So potentially if you charge a Lord Discord into a squad of infantry and coaches oh, them, he could heal himself that. back up to full. Yeah, or like you attack what's important, and then you just put some of your loose attacks or your extra ones into the uh, into just some horde units around it. Like, go ahead yeah. and eat them while I'm attacking this other thing. Yep. Uh, I can't synergize those things, but uh, yeah, it's very potent. Yeah, that's that's relic, pretty good. Potentially. All right, and finally, their stratagems. I mean. Scorn of Sorcery is already one of the really good ones. Yeah, the effects be on a four plus the ability to negate any power. Yeah, and with a reroll, the uh, yeah, a casting value cost. It's fantastic. Yep. yep. All right, I'm going to take this one. Uh, Apoplectic Frenzy, one CP. Use this during deployment when you set up a World Eaters Infantry unit from your army. At the start of the first battle round, before the first turn begins, move that unit nine inches. It cannot end within nine inches of enemy models. If both players have units that move this way, they alternate. Um, so I like it, except for the fact that you have to do it when you set the unit up. So your opponent knows which units you're going to scout forward. Yes. However, this does let you... Potentially, if you hate CP, do it for multiple units. Yep. However, it's really good in a game where you know you're going to be going first. Yeah. And if you just want to, like, line your dudes up, um, you just get free nine inches with it. I mean, that's... Mm-hmm. Let's say you're doing Dawn of War and you've got a bunch of Berserkers. Yeah, Screw it! Just line much you know you're going first. first turn charge. Yeah, line them up and go. I mean, that's yep. world leaders. Yep, not bad. Uh, then you have skulls for the skull throne. One CP using the fight phase after a world leader's character kills a character with a melee weapon. Gain D three com- man points. Uh, that seems like pretty much any time you kill a character with world leaders, you should be using that because at yep. worst, nothing happens. Uh, it's, it's pretty much you should always uh, try to save a CP, especially late game. Yeah. Um, just to see if you can generate some extra ones. Yeah, and you can gain D3. It's one of those rare ones where mm-hmm. you just you get D3 command points. Uh, most of the other things where you generate command points in a game don't generate that many at all. Yeah, so I'm going to let you talk about this one because I know you're excited about it. Oh, God, Red Butchers, absolutely. So excited, I went and purchased Red Butchers like the day after I, or the day I saw this come out. Um, So essentially, what it lets you do is take a unit of World Eater Terminators, uh, you add one to the strength of the unit, and they fight twice like Berserkers. 
I think this is really, really good when you take them with lightning claws and the fact that you can fight twice, you already are fighting twice. You get another attack when you charge because they're world eaters. I mean, these things with terminators, if you take them with lightning claws, then you're re-rolling wounds on top of that. These guys could be really, really nasty, really nasty. Yeah. Plus, um, well, take a 10 man block of terminators. It's going to be a giant pain in the butt to remove them. Um, the only downside is you can only use this once per battle. Yeah. I mean, it's two CP. I, I think starting with five terminators is probably the, the place to go just because of how expensive they are right now. But, uh, yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next we got kill main burn, <laughs> uh, two CP used in the fight phase before you consolidate with the world eaters unit, move them six inches. We're all Harlequins now. Um, uh, and uh yeah this is fantastic uh yeah. for being able to situationally move your guys where they need to go to maximize the effectiveness yeah. of their attacks yep yep without a doubt mm-hmm. and you have uh wild furry for one cp uh use when selecting a world eaters unit to fight until the end of the fight phase improve the unit's ap by one really really good with berserkers mm-hmm. really good yeah, chain axes are already minus one, so now yep. they're minus two. Yep. And it's for the entire phase, so they kill things good. All right, then the uh, counterpart to Skulls for the Skull Throne, we've got Blood for the Blood God, 2 CP. Use when you destroy an enemy unit in the fight phase. Until the start of your next turn, World Eaters units auto-pass morale tests without having to roll any dice. Um, so Goonhammer didn't like this one. However, I actually think this is great. So the thing is, the it's 2 CP to auto-pass with a single unit. This is until the start of your next turn. So in your turn, you kill a unit, anything. doesn't matter in the fight phase. Until you spend your 2 CP, now you just don't have to worry about it. Just yeah. You get insane bravery for the entire army. Yep situationally this is a very useful strategy i think that's that's really key really really key now you do have to destroy something in the fight phase but i think you can look at it and you can just say hey you know what if you know you're going to take some punches afterwards and you want your guys to survive then yeah go for it and i think this works a lot better too if you're taking larger units of berserkers Mm -hmm. even though i think that the smaller units are probably still the way to go and then the last one, Stoke okay. the Nails, 1 CP. Use when a non-cultist infantry or a biker unit fights. Death to the False Emperor triggers uh, against ev- ev- wait, yeah, everyone for that phase. and triggers yep. on Imperial Man on a 5+. plus. So, you're so mad, everyone looks like a Space Marine. Yeah. And Space Marines especially look like Space Marines. Yeah, orcs look like Space Marines all of a sudden. Congratulations. It's yep. so, uh, potential for one CP that's actually very potent. So good. Um, that is so good. Because you get so many attacks. Um, I think that this is a fantastic stratagem. Yeah. Um, Although it's funny how bikers don't get it. Yeah. I, I think part of it is that bikers are supposed to like have enough of their like mental faculties because they have to, you know, ride a bike. But that they don't have the nails. Yeah, but on the table, they're bad enough right now as it is. Like that's I mean, kind I, of where they're really bad. Not I, the I won't argue with you, but the, uh, the actual bikers are just 
they're, they're not good. They're, I know. Yeah, they're just not good at all. Yep. I know. Well, that concludes our walkthrough, Mike. What What's your takeaway? You starting Emperor's I mean, Children? I'm not starting nothing. But, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I would love to start, like, all these new armies, and it'd be great. But I'm looking realistically at what I've got. It's like, I'm going to, like, hold off. Yeah. But um, honestly, uh, if I were not already like pseudo working on several armies already, um, all of these changes are a, moving these legions in a positive direction. Yeah. I think Emperor's Children and World Bear, I mean, World Eaters are like easily the winners out of this book, based off of everything I've seen so far. Um, not counting Space Marines giving even more options, of course. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to be completely frank, if I were to start a Chaos Legion, I'd actually probably go for uh, Word Bears just because I like the a lot of what they got. None of it's sort of too overbearing. They're not really dedicated one way or the other towards any yep. one thing. Um, and I like the tactical flexibility there. They yep. uh, It very much uh, sort of makes them the uh, sort of the ultramarines of the chaos space marines in a lot of ways well i really like emperor's children and for a while i've wanted to play emperor's children and it is very tough to look at how good the rules are for emperor's children and and not pull the trigger there um (laughs) i think the only thing keeping me from that is the fact that i've got a word world eaters army that is um, not necessarily a full blown army, but is probably going to become one now. Just just yeah. from the fact that this is enough for me to want to play them. Um, I I even kind of want to play mono world world leaders just to see how it goes, um, or potentially bring you know like a just bring a bloodthirster as your back pocket beat stick or something like that that you can just deep strike in and just annihilate. Um, you know, stuff like that that I'm thinking about how, how I can make it work or summon them in or something like that. But uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've got, I've got stuff from when I was playing them earlier this year. I've got Karn, some, I, you know, converted up some of the new uh, space Marines into corn uh, berserkers. Um, now I've got the red butchers coming. So I'm going to have actually a pretty cool little corn army that I can try and grow a little bit. So, yeah. But um, I, I'm excited for oh, the, yeah. sort of the direction this indicates the game workshop's going. I think they've sort of decided what they want um, 8.5, as it were, to look like. Yeah. And uh, I think more options is always better. They finally got sort of the core armies hammered out. So now we're getting all the supplements and stuff to really allow you to play a fluffy army while still having rules to allow it to work. Yeah. Um, I've that pretty much everything I see here. That definitely sums it up. Although there's one thing I definitely do know from the whole thing here is that Magnus did nothing wrong. Magnus did nothing wrong. Just remember that. It's very important. It's very important. 